can you still hear me? Yes, I can. All right, you can. Marlin, can you speak? Hello, I'm speaking. La 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 la. Yep, perfect. Cool, perfect. Should I keep on singing? No, no? please don't. Mm. Um, did you see the message I sent you? I don't know if I actually sent it to you, so, uh... Well, it would help if you sent it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Which one? Uh, ah, yeah. The UI text field appearance when contained in instance of UI search bar self. Yes, I did. Yeah. That that saved a lot of time. That helps? Yeah. Because okay. you, you can That's do good. stuff with a lot less hacky looping through mm. subviews and then just assuming that one of them is of a specific type. Instead, you just say yeah, yeah. your text field appearance and you can set like the text color or the placeholder color and those kind of things or change the text yep. of the placeholder right there. And it just applies mm -hmm. to all text fields that are inside of a search bar nice. and it doesn't use value for key stuff. Yeah, it's really hacky. Which apparently Apple can reject you for. Really? Mm. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's like, how else do you customize things to look nice in your app? Well, you don't. Anyway. No, sorry, sorry. Vanilla UI kit. It's the way to go. Yeah. White yeah, and black backgrounds. Yeah. Trans <laughs> white nav bar with translucency is the only real nav bar or something. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, got you. I guess, and we're not allowed to do dark modes until at least June. So all the apps should be white. I don't know. I don't know about dark modes. As long as we have OLED screens, I feel like dark mode will be not desirable. Oh, yeah. You were saying stuff about that. I mean,. I don't use any. Wait, what do you mean? As long as it... Wait, yeah, what do you mean with this? I felt that one of the selling points of the OLED screen was that you should be able to use it in dark mode, like to watch. I mean, the benefit of it is that blacks look black. The downside of it is turning black uh, LEDs, as in mm -hmm. LEDs that are off, back on to something like a gray or any kind of other dark color takes forever. Yep. So it just, if you scroll through something and you have uh, black uh, parts and then turning them to, to less black parts uh, you kind of get this weird lag and kind of it looks broken for everything that's, that's true, moving that's true and um, I mean there are a lot of things that are moving on, on yeah you can especially iOS. see this a lot in like table views in different apps so if yeah, you have a table view in the dark mode or a dark dark any, UI any scroll view right yeah. anything that kind of scrolls it just looks horrific yeah and iOS is probably 80% scroll views it sort of looks views. like the UI is slightly drunk. <laughs> like mm. it's this like weird like because it's not flickering, it more looks like the cells get slightly larger and then slightly smaller again and it keeps on sort of switching between those. So it's sort of it feels very disorienting, I think. Yeah, or if you have like an I don't know, you have like a an avatar with like a dark background. It looks like the center part of your avatar is kind of moving closer to top or the bottom when you scroll from from top to bottom. It looks really awkward. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm too excited about a dark mode on on iOS with an OLED screen. Yeah, but I guess yeah. I was gonna. I wanted to talk to you guys about this. Like, mm -hmm. Is this something we think would be great? I mean, it hasn't dark mode. Dark mode on the Mac doesn't need doesn't rely on something like the. Um, it doesn't rely on you having an OLED screen, and I think it works pretty well. And it felt like. Mm. That was sort of like one of the reasons why it was introduced on Mac was because it and potentially would also be something that's introduced on iOS. 
uh, and it's something we have on watchOS and stuff like that, but watchOS has a more static screen, so I don't know. Like, Do you guys think this is something you're missing or something that's lacking at the moment? I guess for battery time's I, sake, it could be beneficial. Yeah, I definitely think that I, iOS is missing a dark mode because I, I really like third-party apps that implement dark modes, and I think a lot of them do it really well, and it would be nice if it was just easier for developers if it was a system-supported feature and, you know, they didn't have to build a custom workaround to toggle between uh, light and dark mode. And, um, you know, it's really nice to sort of use apps at night in their mm. dark mode. And it's really obvious if you switch from an app that does have a dark mode to an app that doesn't and you're suddenly blinded at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and yeah. you so, want it to go away. But then you would have to expect that... Um all third-party developers would implement dark mode, or do you think it's something that would happen that automatically? I imagine it would be up to developers. I think it's a, yeah. it gets a bit uh, tricky if you're deciding to suddenly invert colors <laughs> and things like that for developers, and I don't think anyone would be too happy, designers either. Um, so I imagine it's something that needs to be supported. Yeah, but, but like potentially it could be something... It could potentially be something that you're expected to check yourself. It's the same with like larger text, larger font sizes, and things like mm-hmm. accessibility... Um, Contrast switchers. I think those are things that mm-hmm. developers can't really turn off in any way, but it will happen to your to your to your app. I mean, you could enforce, uh, you could take, you could go away from larger font sizes, but I don't think it's recommended. So I think maybe it will be part of like being being a developer of the platform. You would expect to make sure yourself that your app looks good in dark mode. That could be nice. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean. It might be easier if you've got like a, a a news reading app or something where you have a white background and black text. It mm-hmm. might be really easy for Apple to go in and do something on the system level to invert that. But I guess the problem might arise if you have an apps with custom UIs and the system tries mm-hmm. to change yeah. their colors in ways that uh, might not look the most flattering. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think if there was going to be something like that, there would at least be a warning period. Like, oh, yeah, not this true. year, but next year we'll start auto-inverting, for example. Mm. Um, I, I feel like it would be pretty rough if, you know, suddenly iOS 13 dropped in September and every second app looked weird without an update. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and then the apps could look really bad and that's not really going to help, help someone who wants to have dark mode on. I think it could almost be more damaging than positive. Yeah, but I mean, look at... um. Look at macOS dark mode and how that behaves. And I think that's probably a pretty mm. good indication um, where if an app doesn't support it, it just doesn't support it. And you get the old, you know, window view and things like that. And it, it stands out. Like, really, It really stands out if an app has a white background and everything else is, is darker. Mm-hmm. Um, but even going back to what you were saying before uh, and about the, the OLED issue, just because there's dark mode doesn't mean that it has to necessarily uh, use a lot of black. You can have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like on macOS, mm. very, very few of those windows are, you know, a, a solid black color. Um, but the dark mode still has yeah. an effect and, and still looks quite nice most of the time. I think but it I has feel to do that. It you, has you to sort do of like have dark. To, but you just sort of, d- that defeats a little bit of the purpose because I feel like the reason mm. why you have such a dark UI on the Apple Watch, for example, is because you want it to be um, something that, like, is making you say battery basically i think if the watch would have a completely light ui the first watch would not have been able to make it through a day so i think mm-hmm. that's one of the arguments why you would have something like dark mode uh, but if it's just an aesthetic thing yeah i agree then they should definitely just maybe go for a lighter color than black black i think it should maybe just be like a dark gray that would probably be better yeah but i think nah, good point 
what they could potentially do, I think some like nine to five uh, articles have been written about this, is that you could potentially have like a always on uh, home screen or lock screen. Um, and you could have this one to be more of a static screen, sort of like your watch, like your regular watch screen. And then uh, this is more like a like a face of the of the phone, and it's always on. And since you don't really scroll that screen, then that might be fine to have a completely dark screen. Um, mm-hmm. So it could it could be that they sort of introduce it in that way, so that it's more like the static screens that are completely dark. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to uh, look at it. I know a lot of um, you know friends who who use Android phones. They have that feature already, where there's like the the equivalent of a lock screen or whatever. With it's mostly black, and then there's a few maybe grey or white pixels that light up with the time. And you know maybe if you if you have a notification or something, um, and that it looks it looks it's like it's subtle enough that it doesn't draw your attention too much if it's sitting on a table. But it's just a nice feature to have. Like if you can do it and have very minimal. Uh, impact on on battery power then why not i mean it's it's nice to have and i don't know i i don't really i don't really need uh my screen to be on even more times <laughs> I, 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 sure I, but i imagine you'd be able to turn it off but it's nice nicer to have that option than not i suppose i don't know i i mean in general i'm i'm not necessarily a fan of having all the features just because you can do it i i just don't see a huge benefit of that over the the lock screen we have at the moment. I mean, if if you want to look at it, right? With I don't know, I don't know how the pre ten series phones behave, but if you if you pick it up, does it turn on automatically? I don't even remember. No, it doesn't. It does. It's yeah. So- yeah, it does. No, it it does. The pickup works. It doesn't. It doesn't turn on if you tap the screen. That's what's new in the ten series. Oh, oh yeah, 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 the tapping yeah. was the difference. That's yeah, so yeah. frustrating. It's yeah. like I suppose it just touches <laughs> the phone and then so, I think. But it's off. hard. It's almost hard not to touch the screen now with a ten series phone, yeah. right? If you yeah. pick it up, so it doesn't really matter. Whenever I want to look at it, I I can look at it and see it, and it's never feeling like a hassle because either the pickup action will trigger the screen to go on, or me touching the, f- the screen. I don't really need my phone to. Li- lay somewhere and then showing me even more information than than i already you know if i'm no, not I agree. It's actively not really... trying to to see what's going on i'd rather not have it yeah it's not it's not a necessary feature that and will, it will save humanity weird. like <laughs> it would look aesthetically i don't think it would be very pleasing black and white ui and then you have to as soon as you then tap it it somehow has to transition from this black and white ui to a colorful ui i just feel like it's so much of a pain to get that right i don't see that being worth it yeah, yeah. unless you go super ugly and just say first we have this ui and then we just have a, a dissolve fade into into a colorful ui but I mean, yeah, Apple isn't really known for aiming for super ugly UI. <laughs> I think. So I, for me, I just feel like it, it feels yeah, like. See, I don't quite agree. Like, okay, so we're all people with Apple watches, and we generally and we all hate them. <laughs> <laughs> we we know if we have a notification or not. No, on an Apple Watch, I would like it to be always on. No, no, no. But like, we we know if we have a notification or if an important message has come through. So I don't imagine that people with Apple Watches. There's a lot of times that they're sort of just aimlessly checking their phone for a notification, like you know, lighting up the screen and looking, and oh, nothing there. Okay, lock the phone again. Um, whereas. I don't know, the behavior of people who don't have Apple Watches tends to be, especially if their phone's like sitting on a table or a desk or something, they will, you know, tap the screen or, or press the home button or press the side button, wake up the phone, look if they've got a notification and then if they do action and if not, you know, discard it. Whereas I guess if you had that always on screen, it just saves that action of reaching across, having to tap, you know, if you've got a, 
a little icon that says a badge with one or two or whatever yeah, it might be. Um, that's true, and I think it could be it could be a nice like status indication for for hmm. someone who might not have an Apple Watch and can't get that information as easily normally. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It feels like a lot of effort for not a lot of gain to me. Because yeah, I, like I mean, I said, realistically, that action isn't really difficult. I don't think we need more things. To no, kind but it of might be the comfort of knowing, right? So, uh, yeah, for maybe. example, I think now, uh, like, I'm never worried that I'm missing an important phone call or like an important notification. No, I'm, I'm not getting that much important stuff. But for example, if I'm waiting <laughs> for food to be delivered home, I feel very comfortable that I will hear them ringing the doorbell that goes to my phone um, if I'm wearing my watch. Well, as if I would not have a watch, I would probably like always like check my phone just to make sure I didn't get an update on where the food is and like just actually like keep an eye on it more was if you would have if you would know that your phone will somehow indicate to you that you do get a not- that you did get um that you get- did get a notification then that might be easier and it's going to be less distract I know like you can just turn sound on your phone of course but like this is going to be slightly less distracting and also make some like take something off your mind I guess so I just think it will trigger people even more to put their phone down face down if they don't want to be distracted. And anything that encourages putting your phone with a screen down onto a table is just horrific. (laughs) Normal people use cases, it's fine. And screen protectors. I see so many people that are like going oh, to screen, dinner or you're something a monster and then if you use a screen protector. <laughs> <laughs> but I see so many people like in restaurants. And in those even restaurants where where they don't have a particularly uh scheduled table cleaning, uh where people just put their phones down f- uh, on the table face down as an indication of I will not be distracted or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean they still pick yeah. it up every five minutes, but at least I guess that's a gesture. But putting your phone screen down then you have a scratch. What do you do? Just throw the phone away, buy a new one? Madness. Yeah. I don't know. These phone screens are pretty good these days. Oh, don't say You'd that. You'd be pretty I mean, unlucky to walk away with a scratch. The thing is, yeah. I just think people already put screen put their screens down. I think it's a lost cause. We're not really going to be with As long as there's a camera bump, people will put their, their phones with face down. This is actually beneficial because more people will put them face up now. Okay. <sighs> You yeah. disagree? Yeah. I'd rather have effort going into almost any anything else on in iOS. Yeah, you don't think this is going to change the world and um, do amazing things for people's productivity? Uh, yeah, un- unlikely. Yeah. But, I yeah. mean, we'll see. Maybe I'm surprised I of know. how amazing of a feature it will be if it ever comes around. But I, 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 I just... I don't think this is going to be groundbreaking in any way, but... <laughs> yeah. Let's see sorry, the- sorry if you spent the last three months working on that <laughs> okay. feature. How about an always-on Apple Watch screen? Yeah, that hundred percent want that. Why? Because that's just how silly. is that different? Because I well, want to be. It's not. It's not much effort to just look at your watch. Is it? No, but watch. it sometimes doesn't trigger, or <laughs> I'm I'm wearing something like I wear a glove. I I try to look on my watch. The screen doesn't turn on. That's what now your nose have, is for. Yeah, yeah, now I have to tap it with my nose. It's just wait, wait. Silly. What's a what's a glove? <laughs> it's just shut up. Weather is okay. We're we're, we're still alive. <laughs> So, sorry, what was that in. about a snowstorm you were telling me about? No snowstorm. <laughs> that was all no, a, okay. a, a, all right. a. Yeah, just I just talked about a snowstorm for dramatic effect. Yeah, you just wanted Zach to feel better about the heat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I, I do have a quite frequent occurrence of my my watch not turning on when I want it to. Like, if I don't know, whenever you, you're not st- standing or sitting straight up, the, the kind of Looking at a watch gesture just doesn't work. It doesn't turn the screen on. I wouldn't say whenever. I would say maybe 
I would say it works 87% of the time. When you like try laying laying on a couch, laying on a bed and try to do the gesture. Yeah, it never but I works. don't do that. Very, yeah, then it might be like 50% of time it works, but I don't do that. That's not the most common time i'm looking at my watch or it's just i don't know i'm i'm sitting at a table somewhere with people and i just want to glance at a time that's true glancing is annoying because yeah. you're like i'm gonna look at my watch now and then yeah uh, you draw attention to yourself and people are like Do you and have i mean to it's leave? still in our society looking at your watch indicates i don't think this is worth my time i should leave mm. but sometimes i just genuinely curious what time of day it is uh, without having wanting to draw attention and having to do a a uh, more dramatic gesture uh, to figure out what the time is just makes the indication of I think I should leave now even stronger. It's so often that I just want to check the time and people are like, oh, you have to leave? I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. Just want to know what time it is. You know, I heard that in the older days, they did have this watch that always had a screen on it. Mm. And it's like always told the time. Yeah. And you didn't have to charge it either. It was just like a battery that you can replace. Have you heard of this? Or it might even charge from you wearing it. I know. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, watch 100%. Oh, my friend has one of those. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for watch 100%, I agree. I definitely want to always always on screen. Also, the transition isn't as hard, right? Most most watch faces don't have color anyway. Oh, not a lot of color. So transitioning from, from the kind of always on, we show you the time, to, to adding all the other parts is relatively simple. On iOS, it's just... Well, there would almost be no transition, I would imagine. I think it would just be that watch face. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine you have the complications there, but maybe they're the only things that appear slowly if you if you actioned it. But Yeah, and I mean, there's also like... Um, but yeah, no, I, the- I, def- I was playing devil's advocate a bit. I do definitely agree that um, it's worth... Uh, and always on screen on the Apple Watch, but I am also in favor of it on the phone. And I mean, you you have to watch faces now that are have more more color, right? Like the one with the colored back back. What do you call that? Uh, I, I don't know. Like the colored dials about. and the ones with ah oh, the wallpaper thing. Yeah, yeah, the wallpaper what? ones, the ones with this? pictures. Like oh. there are more watch faces that do have like basically full screen uh, color images. So I do think there would still have to be a transition if, assuming the always on is just um, the time. Or you can have always on and just allow it for certain watch screens. Yeah. Watch faces. That seems... yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't know. Uh, like utility would be a great one. Even modular might be okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, but some of the other ones, like the new one with like 8 million complications, like that's probably not a good one because that's got color and everything. Like that's got a lot happening. Uh, but if you had something like utility with, but then again, I don't, I don't know if I would want to show everything at all times. I don't necessarily want people to be able to see my next calendar appointment. So I do still think you need to hide certain parts, or at least have the option to hide them um, without when you're not looking at it. Right? It would be quite weird to to yeah, wear yeah. your 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 next. Yeah, it's uh, sort of like maybe similar to. On your watch I mean, you do have like a. See. You do have like a watch screen, um, sorry, um, you do have like the lock version of the watch screen, right? So if you're picking your phone up, if you yeah. pick your watch up and it's locked, you're not going to see any of the calendar appointments or any of the personal data. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, could that's, be something like that. Yeah, that's more what I would imagine it to be. Or similar to notifications, your phone lights up, but unless you have um, on, on, uh, on phones that have... Is this only with Face ID? Maybe it's only a Face ID thing. So you will see all the notifications, but you can decide to not display what the notifications say until you look at your phone and until you actually identify yourself, and then it will show 
the exact information. Like, it would actually show the messages. It could be something like that. Yeah, yeah. The face ID and the watch. Yeah, because you know how you have, like, the... You should have the short look notifications on the Apple Watch where it just shows the app that sends the notification. And then mm. when you turn mm-hmm. your wrist over, it fills up, mm. like, with the actual content. Maybe it could still be something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just, sorry, to clarify something there. It is possible on phones with Touch ID as of iOS 12, but it's okay. still off by default. So, the default mm. setting is still that everything just shows. But I did go through and for the apps that might get, like, for any messaging kind of apps, mm. I did turn that on um, mm-hmm. just because it's... Not much effort to put your finger against the home button and yeah. uh, a bit more security. Mm. But I wonder if that means that something like the the cinema or the theatre mode on Apple Watch becomes more useful when uh, when or if we get an always-on display. Like if you I think hap- you'd need a way still... Sorry? Do you happen to know why Australia is the only country where they call it cinema mode? Because uh, it's localised? But like- In Australia, you have cinemas? Ah, you don't have theatres? What about so the UK? I wouldn't call it a movie theater, really. Like a theater would be more like something you go to for a play, like the fancy. Oh, look at me! If I'm you a look at the icon, it is definitely a <laughs> I know, theater that's what I see too. image. You know, is it though? What? How does it? It's like two two masks. Is that what it is in Australia too? Say, or is it like a blockbuster? Yeah, that is the icon in Australia. Okay, so that it's makes still the sense. Icon, but it's still cinema mode. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like with that mode. Uh, yeah, I think you'd still need a way to turn the screen off. For ex- for example, if you were in a cinema and it was bright, or if you were sleeping, if you sleep with the Apple Watch, um, you probably don't want the always-on display then. So, mm. um, that mode could get more useful. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Sleep tracking in general might be something we, we see at some point in the future. See, I wondered about that because I don't, I don't know. Like, what would Apple have to do to get me away from auto-sleep? And it would probably have to be quite a bit. Um, because generally when Apple do these kind of things, it's like bare bones. Like they might not even have an interface for it. It might just be like, mm-hmm. oh, it writes to health.app. Yep. Um, kind of like steps do at the moment. Like there's no, I mean, you can view your step count in the activity app, but like it's pretty tedious. Like the, the most useful thing for the steps that the Apple Watch gathers is it writes them to health and third party apps take over. So. That'd be interesting if Apple added but didn't, native sleep tracking. Uh, I mean, Apple bought a Bedit that Finnish uh, sleep tracking, sleep monitor mm. company. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, they they probably bought them for a reason. It's not like mm-hmm. they, they thought sleep tracking is dumb. Let's buy them and shut them down. So stop yeah. with that rubbish. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't... I'm, and Bedit has a relatively... I mean, I haven't looked at it in a while, but... Uh, they did use to have a very really nice interface of... It's um, a really cool name. <laughs> but it was a nice interface to show sleep data. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is... Like, yeah, some- I just wonder how Apple would sort of sell that because at the moment you don't have enough battery life to, for like to... Sometimes you might not even have enough battery life to wear it all day and then sleep with it, at least with a smaller one. So I think it's a little bit of an interesting challenge from a marketing perspective. I don't know how you would explain to people that they now can track their daytime activities and their night, like, and their sleep. It's just going to be quite difficult because then they still have to promote people to charge it in between. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is getting tricky. When do you charge the thing? Mm, yeah. You just put it onto your air power mat. Oh, wait. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> so now you have to figure out where to put it and when to put it there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I But I mean, in general, Apple usually doesn't buy a whole bunch of companies without any plans. Uh, so far, most of the acquisition turned into something to some extent. So uh, yeah, it would be, would be interesting to see if they actually... 
I mean, I think they're still releasing new versions of Bedded. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Apple builds that into, I mean, their, their fitness and, and health tracker, right? I do think sleep is an important part to, to your health. So having, having a more, more prominent, uh, placement in, I mean, maybe even a sleep app. I mean, there's activities. Why wouldn't there be a sleep app rather than just having it in health? I wouldn't be surprised if Apple would go that that route at some point in time yeah i think it would be nice so is this what we're expecting this year and always on apple watch screen and possibly <laughs> native sleep tracking <laughs> i don't know i don't i i do think because of the battery issue it might be a hardware release thing that it ships with like a next generation mm-hmm. apple watch yeah yeah sorry so like watch os so new yeah new apple yeah watch so i i would expect and always on the screen i imagine would be a new apple watch too yeah yeah. So, yeah so i do think that's probably not a software update but it would i mean it would be part of a software update but i would expect that to come with a with a hardware announcement i reckon even if it was possible to do purely with software i reckon it'd probably make for nice hardware features and i don't see them Adding yeah. it to existing watches. And I mean, what else is there realistically? Like, what would you want from a next generation Apple Watch? Thinner. Both of those would be right up there. Um, oh, yeah, right? thinness is a good one. But but uh, always on display is mm. probably the big one hardware-wise anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me it's... Um, more accurate heart rate monitoring is another... The, the Series 4 is a huge step up. It no longer thinks I'm dying with a heart rate of 60 when I'm at the gym, <laughs> which is great, um, as all the previous ones before had. But uh, it's still not perfect. So that would be another hardware improvement that would be nice. Mm. Yeah, no, but I honestly think in general, I'm not really happy. I don't want to promote companies to try to make their product thinner in general when it's not necessary, like the, a computer. It's thin enough. I don't need it to be thinner. I'm happy to have more travel on my keys potentially. Um, and the same with the phone. I think it doesn't have to be that thin anymore. I think this is a pretty good pretty good thickness as long as we have enough battery life. Um and it would be nice if we don't have a camera bump, but I think that that war, <laughs> that war is lost. Um, but I think something like the Apple Watch it would actually really benefit from being thinner, especially if you if you do have a smaller wrist. I think at the moment it feels a bit clunky and it looks a little bit tacky because of that. So I think having a thinner watch would be great. But it's also the also the device that is the most constrained uh, battery life wise. Uh, so I think. That's probably not going to happen realistically. Especially not in combination with always uh, no, on screen not at all, and not sleep at all. tracking. So I'm wondering, like, I don't know what I would want most. I think I'd rather want to be thinner than having an always on screen. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. Mm. No, um, and sleep tracking is something we have from other devices. Uh, sorry, from, uh, from other apps. So I don't think that's something I desperately need. But I think the roads leads more towards those things happening than the watch being thinner. Mm. Hmm. I'm actually okay with the with the size of the Series 4. Yeah, I think it looks fine if you have a bigger wrist, but I think for me it feels a bit clunky. And it's not always unfortunately while I'm when I'm wearing it if I when I'm wearing it while I'm sleeping, it actually feels a little bit uncomfortable. Um now I'm used to it, but in the beginning I did and I definitely noticed it while sleeping and it was a little bit clunky. Um so for that it would be nicer with a thinner one. Hmm. But I'm going to get a new band that might actually do it so that I can have a bit more snug. Uh, might, be, might help. ECG outside of the US would be nice. I'd take that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's not really a hardware yeah. thing, though. It's like, surprising. That's... I'm surprised how quiet Apple is about any of that. It's like, yeah, yeah, we relaunched it in the US and the rest of the world. Well, I wonder if they were too optimistic about being able to get it uh, approved elsewhere. I mean, they didn't even apply for it. 
at oh, Health really? Canada in a few months. I, I don't but know they if they applied, have right? since. I don't know if they have since, but they applied like three on. months after launch, they still haven't applied to Health Canada. Mm. Do you know about uh, how, how it is in Australia, Zach? No, I'm not too sure. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, there's one thing being being optimistic and ambitious. The other one is actually doing something to get there. <laughs> Ouch. <I> mean, <laughs> but it is true, right? You hear you that, people? You... I think you're not doing anything. <laughs> it's just, it's very unlikely that Health Canada will approve your product if you don't submit a proposal. Um <laughs> They will come to them, okay? <laughs> no, I, I do agree, I think. But that might be because they have looked into the regulations and they know that they're not going to be approved. It's better to not waste your time until you have a product that's actually going to be approved, right? Yeah, I mean... Maybe. I, I found a tweet from uh, Health Canada from early December and said, To date, Health Canada has not, re- has not received an application for the Apple Watch Series 4 with the e kg feature the decision to submit a medical device license application rests with the manufacturer so okay they're definitely i i always thought um australia will probably approve it once once it's if it's apply, being applied for i don't know just because you know tend to copy what the u.s has done and the u.s has approved <laughs> it so um it'll, it'll probably have no problem getting through here um i don't know what the hold up is maybe they haven't submitted it either who knows yeah but Anyway, but it would at least be. I or, mean, I understand secrecy in when you're working on new products. Yeah, but but the if you sell out. a product and you're you're like advertising a product, yeah. I mean, obviously it's it's not being promoted as heavily for the international stores. But if you announce a new product with those features uh, and saying that it will launch in the rest of the world, um, then at least keeping people up to date about the product they bought for a lot of money and also, telling them what what's going on might be a good idea. At least I, I don't see a lot of downsides of saying, hey, we submitted a thing. Yeah, and I also think you do hear a lot of success stories today for people who do have this feature in in the US. I think there's so many people who still are reporting that like they got in, they get information about their health that they didn't know about because they had a, had a new watch and they were able to take their heart rate. And I think having those success stories around sort of makes it seem like it is a popular feature. And I think more and more people want to have it. Like, I didn't really think this was something important for me before. But now when I hear so many people who do get valuable information from it, I think this would be really cool. And I think like, it would definitely be a selling point. Um, so I, I assume they might just be waiting till, like, maybe they are aware of the fact that certain things won't be approved. Um, or maybe they want to roll it out everywhere at the same time. Um, but what's the benefit of that, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. One marketing rather than multiple yeah. marketing campaigns, but it seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they wait until uh, I don't know. They would have submitted. I was thinking maybe they wait till the um, till the March event. I mean, but you can still hold off on, still, a, on yeah. release, yeah. But you need to submit it to ever being able to. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, I think it's time for some follow up. Half an hour in. All right. Uh, I'm going to race through this like very, very fast because we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. So, uh, first up, just to correct a mistake that I made last week, I said that the iOS 12.2 beta 2 software update thingy fixed the FaceTime bug. Turns out it does not. Um, so, I guess you have to wait for beta 3, which will probably be out by the time we release this episode, assuming they stick to the two-week release cycle or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you still can't make group FaceTime calls if you're running the 12.2 beta. Um, yeah. Uh, secondly, we spoke about some train stuff last week, which was a lot of fun. Um, we got some follow up. Um, so John wrote in, uh, listener John and said that, um, 
well, he had, he started with a fun fact, which I really enjoyed. Um, so when the light rail first started in Sydney, we have a light rail, uh, don't ask why. Anyway, um, they had a timetable, but it was never publicly available. I think I'd said something last week like, um, oh, uh, I imagine they'll have to make a, pu- a timetable available because, like, obviously it's going to run to a timetable even if, you know, it's not strictly advertised when the train's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so he said it was never publicly available, which is uh, interesting and good to know. Uh, and he also uh, wrote in... T- it's, it's definitely boosting of confidence if you have a timetable, but you, you <sighs> decide not to make it public because... If we- I, I will be very upset if we don't have a timetable. I mean, I'll work it out. Like, I'll work out at what four-minute interval the trains are coming. But still, like, just it'd be easier if the timetable was available in all the public transport apps and we could go from there. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, his second bit of follow-up was that uh, so North Shore trains uh, run during peak hour every 90 seconds in Sydney. Um, so, that's... Uh, they're for about nine hours a day. They're running uh, pretty much every uh, 90 seconds in both directions. Wait, is that um, the same line is coming every 90 seconds or will there be a train at a station every 90 seconds? Oh, so, that's uh, apparently there's a train like coming through every station at 90 seconds. But the thing is, it's not at all stations along that line. So, that line sort of splits at both ends. So, there's, you know, closer to the city, obviously, there's more trains running along that line, but it splits... Uh, along both ends, really. So, from those sort of further out stations, it's not every 90 seconds. So, it's true, but not true, if that makes sense. Um, Like, it's not like every station is getting a train every 90. But it's only one line that runs on that? Yeah, most of the other lines are horrible. I used to get a... uh, I used to catch a T2 line, and in peak time, I think it was like every seven to nine minutes, but outside of peak time, it was every 15. Like, I mean, that's not terrible, but then mm. if you get into like really out of peak time, it's every half an hour and it's really hard to get home from the city, mm. uh, you know, sort of late at night if the trains are only coming every half an hour. But mm. anyway, okay, uh, it is what it is, but yeah, the lines split. So, if you're further than about 20 minutes out of the city, um, you're not going to benefit from that frequency. It's more just that they meet at a certain point and then... You know, from a from a certain station onwards, they're coming quite frequently, which is nice. Cool. Um, and the third bit of follow up, um, which is to correct another mistake that I made, he said that um, the new metro line will have the track width is actually the same as the old, um, or as the existing trains, I should say. Um, but they because they're a smaller carriage in general, um, things needed to be reworked to fit um, or to like make things smaller so that these trains can run along the existing lines. So, hence the um, work that is being done along those existing lines. It's not actually to resize the tracks, which I did not realize. So, there you have it. Thank you, John, for uh, three bits of very interesting follow-up. Yeah, that's good. Cool. That was pretty speedy. Mini topics. Mm, Mini topics. Yes, yes. I was trying to get through that fast because I know we have have a lot to talk about. And, yeah. Um, Show name change. Back to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, so, so the one, so we've got a bunch of options here, and I think we went over them at one point. But uh, up until about three seconds, the thing is, um, whatever we're doing here, I think we need to uh, uh, decide on one of those show names before we release the episode, so we still get oh. domains. And and so, if we actually want to yep. talk about specific names, we then have to lock one in and commit to that. Okay. I did feel like I mean we can also cut this out if we yeah. if we don't have time for that. But I did feel like I want us to decide which name to go with. I think um we've been talking about changing this for a while and I feel like we should just go ahead and do it now. Um and I really like this first name. Um, so Zach, you had an observation. So, until very recently, the one the the name that was highlighted or bolded 
um, but I guess one of you two, because it wasn't me, was Weekly Cup of Tech. But then, uh, not too long ago, Kai just, I think it was Kai, just unbolded the word weekly and yep. settled on Cup of Tech. Yep. And I, I'm guessing this is what you're leaning towards in, yep. in terms of preference. Yeah. Cool. Because yep. that's exactly what I was going to suggest, but <laughs> okay. I, I was happy to go with that one, but I didn't want the word weekly in there. Oh, cool. Because weekly <laughs> is a commitment that we don't always <laughs> stick to. Yep. Um, but I think Cup of Tech is a really good name. So mm. no, I think so too. Um, like I feel like this is a very fitting name. We are, um, like it's coming from like the coffee idea that we would drink coffee at the same time, and we want to keep it slightly casual, like a conversation over over a cup of coffee. Um, and I think it's also sort of like it's more portioned, I guess. I like that. It's like we're gonna sit and take this time to talk about tech. Like you're gonna sit, take this time to sit down and drink your coffee. I think I think that's fitting. Yeah, and. COT is a is a decent uh what do you call that abbreviation always, no wait i always get those acronym. wrong acronym acronym and abbreviation acronym is when you pronounce each letter and abbreviation is if you would call it cot is that right or is it the other way around i don't know this is a great question i thought abbreviation wait isn't abbreviation when when you use and then there's also initialism the oh yeah that's different yeah. so NASA is an acronym because you say NASA. Um, and an abbreviation is if you say each letter. Cool. So abbreviation. CES. CES is an uh, abbreviation. And. Uh, WWDC. Yep. We, we can now bring Should we up, continue talking about abbreviation? We, we can guy? now bring up another 12 <laughs> examples if we wanted to. IBM. Which one is it? Abbreviation. Yep. I pronounce it Ibum, so, you know, <laughs> your mileage may vary. Yep. Um, um, SQL. Okay. MySQL. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> tricky one. Anyway, so we have... Uh, so we, that was way easier than I thought. We just landed on Cup of Tech and commit to that. Fine by me. Mm. Yeah. Right. What, what are your... What would have been your second picks? You go, Malin. I do like tech extraction, but I think people wouldn't understand it. And when I searched, when I googled for tech extraction, it came up all those job job positions for uh, making weed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, it is legal where you are. Yep. Yeah, I just don't think it's a good association. It's not the type of extraction we were looking for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but then we also have uh, third wave tech, which I really like um, because it comes from like third wave coffee. But what, um, what would be third wave tech? That's the thing; it doesn't really make sense. Uh, I do like my pun mm. that I cre- that I came up with last week called "latest in tech." That would be so. It would be very hard to, to spell. To spell and yeah. tell people what it is. I know, but it I would be. I would like tell. I would say it with a smile, though. <laughs> I, don't, I just think makes that makes you. <laughs> yeah, I think that would just makes it weirder. <laughs> um, what I kind of liked is fair trade and tech. Um, uh, fair trade tech. Fair trade tech. Fair trade tech sounds like a really good name if you want to make a podcast about uh, what is it called? Um, about ethics in technology. Yeah, but I think ethics and technology. Mm, yeah, is I know it does give off that like. Mm. But I think that's that's fair. Uh, I do think that's not too bad because I do think we should make talking about ethics, and I think we get into that with the. uh, I know, but it's not the core. It's not the only thing we're talking about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, or it could be something related to the stock exchange market. Mm. It's a fair trade. 
Mm. You should invest in Uber. No, you shouldn't. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, which ones do you like, Zach? Yeah, I was going to say probably Tech Grind or Tech Pour Over. So I think about the only two you didn't mention. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> uh, probably a good thing we agreed on. Yeah. Tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Tech Grind that could be a bit... Um, it sounds a bit like exhausting. exhausting. Like people don't really want to li- listen to it. It's like, are they going to finish soon? Like, yeah. A lot of cities have like their local grind spot, right? Which is a spot where you run up a hill or run up stairs. Is there something True. like that in Sydney? Is there like a grind? I've not heard that before. Okay, because here we have like gross grind, which grouse. is like grouse grind, which is a mountain where you can run up and it's really steep and. That's fun though. We so we should if if that was the name, we would start every episode out of breath. <laughs> Kicking theme. <laughs> you do that anyway because you always run ten minutes late, so you're just running to the microphone. <laughs> so fair point. That is actually quite an accurate title in that case. Cool. Mm. But that well, it means, was easy. Yeah, that was way easier. Yeah. We also had another idea this morning, didn't we? Something related to pour over no uh, i had a logo idea for pour over but it didn't really oh we had like muck of tech and oh uh, uh, yeah pot, pot of, of tech. tech pot of tech that also sounds like a weed podcast now when i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> or a teapot of tech and, and we don't drink tea on the podcast no. i know so. i know that's the problem we gotta change what i like about image. pot of tech is <laughs> that it's that you could also say pod like podcast pod of tech yeah but then people will be like how do you spell that and yeah. then you're like it's not pod it's pot because uh, it made sense. Mm. Like that, that's just not gonna be spellable. I, I still don't think I want all the junkies following us on Twitter. Yeah, I, I looked for pot of tech and it was full of weed news. So I guess cup of <laughs> cup of tech seems like the safe option. Cool. Then I'll we'll do that. Does that mean this episode will actually be the first episode of Cup of Tech, or will this we'll be see. the last SoCast? Uh, it's then? probably going to be the last SoCast because I have not created a logo yet. <laughs> we should we should buy the domain. But yep. should definitely do give that ourselves first. a week and register all the accounts and stuff. Yes. All right. Cool. That was easy. Exciting. Okay. So, Apple's Mars March event is something that's been in the news a bit lately. Um, would be cool if they flew us to Mars, but I don't think Elon Musk will be appearing. So, anyway. Um, I do think we should rename it that, though. I think I say it wrong so often, so we should just say Mars event now. Yeah, I agree. It's it's way cooler than March. Like, what's March mean? It's a month. Eh. Mars, that's cool. That's another planet. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it will attract more people because I think Apple doesn't have enough of an audience already. So, this will help. Yeah, look, don't they dominate Earth? It's time to get those Martians on board and give them Apple Watches. See how many calories they burn on the red planet. Yeah, that, those revenue predictions will go all the way up when you include the entire Mars population. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. All right. Well, didn't we already cover the, the March event or yeah. spring event? Well, is I, there anything new? Like, I know there's been some there's been some reports this week saying that you know they'll they'll possibly announce their media streaming service and they will probably uh, introduce a news subscription service. Um, there was another report that said no AirPods and no other hardware at this event, so probably meaning no air power. So I think we're in for a pretty boring event. I don't know. What are your thoughts here? I mean, the spring There's events no are always... There's no way that's the only thing they will talk about, right? I, I would assume so, but that's <laughs> like not what these reports are implying. Um, I think one of them said that they'd invited a bunch of celebrities along to the event, so it's meant to be more of a mainstream media blitz type thing i mean for me um, it's, 
I don't know. I don't really care about Apple's move into content. Yeah, I mean, as I said already like a billion times before, it's just not exciting because all the shows that Apple might... I mean, Apple might pay for shows, but otherwise Netflix would have paid for the same shows. You know, it's not really... There's nothing that we have that plays to Apple's strength in that service. So it's like, sure, now I pay another probably 10 ish dollars for another service that otherwise I wouldn't have to pay. I mean, I will pay it most likely if the shows are good, but otherwise, uh, for me as a consumer, it would have actually been better if Netflix got the right to those shows because then I didn't have to pay another service or Amazon for that matter. Yeah, that's the problem. I think there's not enough for us to see. Like, there are not any benefits from a consumer point of view why Apple would buy this. It's not like... I think if there... If there's a movie that will be created and it's a, like potentially like something that Disney could buy or Pixar could buy, like that's going to add a certain flavor onto this movie. But I think something like Apple, Apple buying, like Apple buying a show, it's not going to be anything unique about it. It's just going to be, it's like the difference between a Netflix show and um, um, an Amazon Prime show. It's not noticeable. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Because like you say, now we're going to pay for one more thing. Yeah, and I wonder if that just... I mean, at the moment, subscription seems to be one of the few business models left for independent developers to to have continuous revenue. I mean, if we get like another large company entering the subscription market, I do feel... I mean, it feels like people already uh, start to get subscription fatigue. Um, I, I just think adding... I mean... Um, what are they called? Disney. Disney. They will also release a new subscription service this year, right? Or next year? Sometime soon. I just feel like the... I'm just worried. Yeah, that's the thing. If Apple would actually go up, team up with Disney for this, it would be so much more attractive. I mean, in general, I just think adding more and more subscription services, I don't necessarily think people are too excited to... Haven't there been rumors that they would uh, go together with uh, with Disney for this? Or was that just a deal that never... Never I, happened. I, I've not heard of that, at least. I don't know. I feel like there had been discussions between Apple and Disney for getting rights for Disney shows. What? No, I, I know no? nothing of that. I don't know what kind of secret uh, meetings you were Maybe involved in. Maybe I shouldn't in. have said this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I cut this out. <laughs> yeah, no. I I mean, Disney planned to do their but yeah, yeah, streaming my po- service for a while. Yeah, I think that would make sense. That would be more attractive for me. Like, if I hear that that's the deal they do, then I would probably be more inclined to subscribe i would be more excited for apple um, it doesn't really matter though to me it's just uh, content is a thing i mean i like paying companies to provide me with what they're doing i i just Mm -hmm. feel like a subscription service for for media i pay apple for apple to be able to pay i don't know jj abrams I mean, I don't really get anything from that. It doesn't matter who I pay, who then yeah, pays, like whoever Apple creates it. Yeah, but Apple might provide a better app, um, like a better a better viewing experience than Disney could do because Apple actually has But more I mean, apps viewing is, is air quotes simple. I mean, it's yeah, a video it's not, player. Uh, okay, I don't care about anything else, It's not that part. Right? It's not the viewing. It's more the browsing and like finding discovering new new media i think that's yeah. probably the important part i mean it's it's i mean it will be split between so many apps anyway right because netflix won't put it into apple's tv app and hulu probably won't and amazon i don't know if amazon does it but in general it's like you can't really do discovery if you don't have one pool to to surface media from so i just have another app that tries to suggest things for me to watch but i already have that with netflix i already have that with the others I just don't think we're adding to that. We're just adding complexity by adding another service because no one went or 
Netflix didn't go for Apple's we show everything in the TV app now. Obviously, because Netflix didn't want to lose the control of, of suggesting things to Apple. It makes sense that they're not part of that. But because of that, we're just in a, in a situation. I mean, this is all assuming there's nothing surprising to the service. Maybe Apple is going into a completely different direction that none of us predicted. But just assuming it's another icon on your, on your, um, on your Apple TV with TV shows in them, uh, then I don't think that is something I can get too excited about. I mean, doesn't mean the shows won't be good. They're probably having good shows and they're probably having cool people that work on interesting things. It's just not, to me, this is not an Apple thing that I'm excited about because it's not Apple doing it. Well, it's Apple doing it, but it's nothing that only Apple could do. And there's nothing that Apple puts a flavor on. But it's it's also, you're not, you're, I, I mean, I pay for an iPhone because Apple is really good at making phones. I'm not paying for an iPhone because Apple is, you know, I'm not paying for the website. I'm. L it's different because it is you. You you're not paying for for Apple's part of that deal. <laughs> you know, you're paying yeah. Apple just as a middleman, and mm -hmm. I don't. I don't care about a middleman, and I don't think Apple can be a better middleman than Netflix has been. I just I don't see that. That's why I'm not excited about it. it might be great. And I'm most likely going to pay for it if they have cool content, but it's just something that I'm I'm pretty oblivious about because yeah, of what mean, it is. We can also see it as a healthy competition for Netflix, right? It's always good to have more more players in uh, like that are not players. What do you call it? <laughs> um, like it's always important to have healthy competition, right? It's the same. Like more I don't think. Yeah, yeah, more competitors. Like, it's very good that Android exists and that Google exists because that will make iOS better. And maybe yeah. if Apple enters the space, that will force other companies to be better too. So that could be good. I do wonder if an existing multi-billion dollar company is the best kind of competitor. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> if, but if no we're one up else to true competition, you probably want a startup that's doing The problem that. is that no one else... But no one else can compete with Netflix at this point. I mean, Amazon is kind of competing with them. Yeah, Hulu which is, is another kind of billion dollar again, company. Again, yeah, another billion dollar company. Yeah, yeah it's just we're in, a, in, a, in general, we're in a position in tech where it's really hard to compete with those kind of things. I, I mean, that's also why I'm less excited about it. You can't disrupt um, movie production, you know? <laughs> it's just a thing that is extensively expensive expensive you can't you can't start a startup and say now i pay jj abrams to make a new tv show damn it that was my business plan <laughs> <sighs> but it's like it's, it's if you had enough money you probably could i mean yeah sure but it's 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 hard to do that as a startup right you can't be like my business idea is collecting i don't know uh 150 million in in, in vc to then pay jj abrams to make a new tv show i'm like uh, okay seems like a weird idea but you go See what see what's happening, um, but in general, I feel like all those kind of service type things. It's really hard to compete, if not impossible, right? You can't compete with Apple Music at the moment as a startup. We're just at a point where where all those kind of established things are really like established services are really difficult to compete with because no one would even talk to you. We're not those type of services are not something that really is a place you could enter if you're not having billions behind you. Disney can enter the the, the space, but Zach can't. Sorry, Zach. Same for... Oh. Hmm. There goes my next idea. Yeah, and I mean, hmm. even smaller <laughs> things like, like, like the Dropbox cloud sync type things, even that is really difficult to enter, and that is pretty broken for almost everyone. But even that, those kind of yeah, services we are just really... That. 
Kai, Kai was asking me the other day, like, do you think there's any, do you think there's anything that Apple makes today that you, that a startup could make better? Like, is there anything that uh, that a, a startup could compete with? Because I feel like Apple is going to have the resources to make whatever they're making better than anyone else. Unfortunately, unless it's another big company, and that's the problem. Like, then it's just big companies competing against each other. Like, how is there a way for a small company? Like, which areas right, can small companies compete? Let's rephrase compete that for the question for that. Yeah. Let's say you would be forced to start a startup to compete with anything Apple does. What? Which? Which thing that Apple does would you pick with? With thinking that you have the highest chance of succeeding. Home speaker. Oh, really? <laughs> mm. You're picking a hardware product. That's that's bold. Yep. Okay. All right. So you're definitely ambitious. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not that home speakers are easy. It's more just that the HomePod, relative to the others, doesn't really have much traction. But do you think you would be able to get more traction than Apple's HomePod compared to what Sonos does, for example? Because like, there are other players in there. Maybe not, but... Maybe not, but and it's hard, right? Because yeah. that product means does you either now have to partner again with one of the big ones if you want to have any kind of speech input. It's like if you want to have any kind of speaker that you can talk to, you now need either uh, Amazon's assistant or Google's or Apple's or I guess Cortana um, to to have a speech interface. If you wanna, if if you don't want to partner with anyone that means you're now competing in home speakers and you're competing in uh, at ai assistant which again becomes really really difficult if you don't have a lot of data to to train your assistant yeah no fair point so i i just feel like at the moment it's <laughs> it's a bit of a so weird don't compete with apple is the moral of the story <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, sad, it's right? sad right i, right? I mean yeah. like i think progress needs competition but we're now in a point where a lot of things and even if you would start this home uh, this this speaker company zach i think someone else would acquire your company like you would not be able to innovate to the extent that people could innovate in the 70s and the 80s like it's just fair point it, it, like if, there's so many companies that are just being acquired once they start to get because it, it, you kind of need to, right? If you would start your speaker company, you probably wouldn't be able to start a speaker company without having VC funding. You know, you won't be like, I just self-fund my speaker company. Um, unless you have a... Yeah, manufacturing's cheap, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardware products, uh, luxury hardware products, I've heard, are really easy to manufacture. Um but it's it's. Yeah, I can do it in the spare room. It's it's fine. Yeah, and you just use all the gold lumps that you collected over the years. Uh, I've heard <laughs> they just lay around in Australia, right? It's a lucky country. That's how mm, it works. Of course. Uh, yep. To fund your your multi billion dollar startup, but it's hard, right? Mm. You would definitely need VC funding. You can't self fund a hardware speaker company. Um, and as soon as you collect VC funding, you're almost forced to sell if you get a good offer because those people want their money back, and you're now having to to make sure that they do unless you're excessively uh successful with your product which is uh very i mean it would be a way longer term play at that point than most vcs would want to bear so that i mean yeah. that's why a lot of uh, companies that are vc funded sell when they get a good offer because that's what the vcs were interested in in the first place um it's it's and let's be real that's half the reason that the people started the company yeah, to begin yeah, with probably. was to sell yeah, out yeah I mean, but many companies don't have a business plan. Like, their business plan is to be acquired. It's not great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, get big fast. Get on and Apple, Facebook, Google's radar, and yeah. then 
be sold. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's difficult, right? That is the opposite of encouraging uh, innovation because you're just trying to be big enough to be purchased, which means you're by definition trying to 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 sound like you might be uh, onto something or you could be a competitor in a few years. So you're done being acquired before you can become a threat. Um, doesn't really encourage innovation and progress to the same extent as uh, actually competing would. So it's a bit, um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's weird. I don't know how to, what to do about that. Yeah, it feels like a spiral that's very, very difficult as a society to get out of. And I think at the moment, there are those few big companies that are dominating in so many spaces. And it's just going to be hard for any company to be either able to compete against it or stay a competition rather than being acquired. I think mm. it's unfortunate because like Kai and I were talking about this before and we feel like if you are a separate company, if you're a smaller company, you can be more agile and you can move quickly and you can test out different things because you, you're not controlled by a bigger corporation. Like you can actually try things out and see what like what your product should be. But if you're focused on being acquired, you're gonna try to make a very specific product potentially and you're not gonna um be able to take as many risks to, to be innovative either. Um because once once you get enough money or once you get enough interest you might be acquired and, then- and also just being not being publicly traded means you have other obligations right if you're not publicly traded and you're just competing with one of the larger ones you don't have to optimize for for the last piece of revenue uh you can you can set your own goals and your own ambitions and your own ethics of how you want to get somewhere you know you can say i don't want to uh, exploit my user's data and that's fine no one can tell you off about it um, while other companies seem to be quite driven by anything where where revenue can be optimized and leading to a lot of uh, unethical decisions being explained by uh, it was our applic- uh, obligation to our shareholders. I'm like, well, I don't think we're, <laughs> you know, it, I just, it's just a weird excuse for people to use that they're doing things because it's the right thing for shareholders rather than doing what they think is the right thing for society to do or for them to do or for for a company to do but and it's it's hard right even if if your hypothetical speaker company would be a, a huge success if um you're now offered a hundred million dollars to to sell it it's hard to say no i'd rather not have a hundred million dollars please i don't know if i i would uh turn that down <laughs> Because how often in your life are you in a situation where you're being offered a lot of money for something that you've already built? Yeah, no, fair point. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Very depressing conversation. Very what? Very depressing conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'm, the world I'm not... is doomed and no one can compete. I don't think, I, I think competition is difficult, but I mean, we're still in a situation where there are a lot of things that Apple is not interested in or Google is not interested in, where we you don't have to compete with something that already exists i mean you never know whether you're competing with something that apple google whoever does internally um but there's still a lot of things like apple doesn't make a billion different products uh, at least right now they don't so there's still a lot of areas that just are not touched by those companies so i'm yeah. not saying you can't do it you can't innovate and you can't work on 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 interesting things it's just the times i mean apple uh, famously got 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 a lot of drive and 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 uh, 
competitiveness while trying to to defeat IBM as the small one trying to defeat the evil IBM. And I do think that was kind of a healthy thing where a small startup tried to compete with a large one or or like the times of like, I don't know, internet browsers with Netscape and Internet Explorer and that kind of kind of that competition, um, I do think was healthy. And it was a cool situation where, where smaller companies were able to compete. Um, yep, and it's encouraged people to create really good products because they want to compete against each other. Yeah. And they had a chance to compete against each but, other. But I mean, the chances of you now starting a computer company and competing with Apple and Microsoft are very, very, very slim uh, to for success. Um, and I mean, that's I, I, I do think we're, we're seeing slower progress because of that, but it doesn't mean that you can't innovate. It's just those kind of things are very difficult to, to compete. Yeah, and I think that's just a good thing to be aware of. And I think um, like that's, that's why, like you say, Kai, there are multiple other places, other, other areas where you can still innovate. And I think that's good. But I think um, this is probably, this is something that could result in a problem. Like you could, lack innovation in the, as a society if this is a pattern that continues and i think it's important to think about this and i mean we are not having a solution to this uh, uh like we're not the solutions podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I do think i do think we we just need to discuss those things more openly and i think we need to be aware of what's going on in the in the industry in order to know how to solve that and know what problems and what hurdles we have to get over. And hopefully we can, like, if we're aware of problems, we, we can solve them too. And we can think differently um, about things. So. Hmm. And encourage people to have uh, business models for their startups. I don't know. It's hard. Like, as I said, we don't have any solutions to this, but I think it's important to to discuss this. Uh, and hopefully some smart listener can write in and tell us the solution to those problems. Probably not, but it's good to discuss. Cool guys, um, <laughs> that was fun. No, um, I, I, I mean, um, I agree. It's, it's, it's a difficult problem, but I think it's worth trying to at least, I mean, uh, being aware of it and trying to think of ways of, of kind of trying to balance that and trying to have like when, whenever you start endeavors, try to think of things to, to make money with that without. Um, relying on VC if it's possible. I do think those are, are beneficial ambitions to have. I mean, it's it's hard. Maybe, right? I mean, it makes sense. Certain things you need VC for, like I yeah. said, if you want to start your speaker companies act, you should probably, like, go ahead. And um, But, you, but you, <laughs> you will need, you will probably need VC, but you should be realistic about what your, what your goal is with it and try to not, um, I guess try to try to think about what where you want the company to go at an early stage and try to have a vision for the company rather than hoping to be acquired. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um so WWDC might be announced sometime in this year. Um are you guys excited? Yeah, hopefully it's announced soon. Um <laughs> So you were well, talking about like, this week. That, yeah, you were saying Yeah, yeah, sorry. You were saying that you might be buying flight tickets. Are you optimistic? Well, flights are very affordable right now. And I would love to buy them. What is affordable? Just to be curious from Australia. Um, okay, so about eleven hundred Australian dollars okay, return. That good. includes tax, and you don't have to tip flight attendants. What? You don't have to tip your flight attendants. <laughs> so eleven hundred Australian dollars. We'll put that into US for our US listeners. That's seven hundred and eighty-five dollars return. That's actually that sounds um, so much better in US dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that includes taxes. I'll just say that right again. That includes taxes, so that's a very affordable price for a 
you know, 13-hour flight one way and 14 flight? hours the other. It is a direct flight to San Francisco. Okay. Uh, it's also about the same price to get to um, San Jose, but you have to go by uh, through LA both ways, yeah. which I wouldn't do. It's, no. it's quicker to fly direct to San Francisco and just Uber down to yep. San Jose. Yep. Um, I wouldn't go to San Jose unless I had a reason to, which I don't. Anyway, um, but I was also- I mean, you wouldn't go to LA unless you have to. Uh, yeah, yeah, so wouldn't want to change it. I mean, the first time I went to WWDC, I um, I chose the flights based on airline, not based on location they flew to, and that meant going through LA mm-hmm. and just getting to LA and knowing you're so close to... Well, at that point, it was in San Francisco, but getting to LA and knowing you're so close to San Francisco where you want to be and you still have to sit in the airport for another couple of hours and get on another flight, it's just eh, not the best. But at least LAX is a great airport and everyone loves it. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and it's not like it's crawling with people and you can't get a seat. No, not at all. Um, anyway. Because, yeah. you know, at that point, like the time you land, I know. it's like the equivalent of like 10 or 11 or maybe even midnight like in, in Sydney. So, mm-hmm. it's like you're already tired. You're ready to go to sleep and you got to wait at the airport, do another flight, land in San Francisco and it's like, oh, 10 a.m., Cool. What am I going to do for the next twelve hours yeah. when I really should be sleeping? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. it's always um, very amusing. But last year, going direct was the best choice I mm. made, I think. Um, and I, I don't know if that will happen this year, actually, because we've been talking. And um, um, so I know I've been saying I'll, I'll visit Vancouver eventually, and uh, I think I think this year it's going to work out that um, to visit after uh, WWDC for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the flights that I've been looking at, which I should mention, are only about $150 more to go to Vancouver after um, than it is to fly over to San Francisco anyway. So, it's like not really any more expensive to get there. Um, I think that flight would be to San Francisco via Vancouver, um, mm-hmm. looking with Air Canada. Mm-hmm. So, I think that I think that will contain a stopover. But for the price, considering, you know, it would be like $800 more to, to fly direct to San Francisco and then fly directly home from Vancouver, I think I'm, I'm willing to put up with the stopover. Um, mm. I'm definitely willing to put up with the stopover yeah. for, for like a matter of $800. Um, so, that's what I've been looking at. And that's another reason why is because it's so affordable right now. I've been saying to you, oh, it'd be great to book, but I would really love for Apple to confirm WWDC dates before pulling the trigger mm-hmm. on you know, a thousand dollar flights, but uh, it looks like based on a Mac rumors article, which look, we could have told you these dates six months ago, but anyway, they're, they're saying it should be the third <laughs> or of 10 months ago, the week of the third of June. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, actually, yes, you're right. Uh, the day I got home from WWDC last year, I reserved a room with free cancellation, of course, mm-hmm. for that week in, uh, in San Jose. Really? So it is mm. a date that was on my radar for many, many months. So you already now. have a room. I do have a room, uh, cancelable, and it's not in town, but it's close enough. Hmm. Um, and it's under $300 a night, which is nice. Yeah, that party's really nice. Um, considering, you know, during WWDC week, you're actually in your room about seven hours a day, and hmm. that's it. So, you don't really need uh, something too flash, but hmm. yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Um, no, we're thinking yeah, about booking as well. Um, yep, yep. It's just... We want to book an Airbnb, so we need to find something that has a cancellation time. It's a bit trickier than a hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it makes sense to look now. Uh, would save money on that. Yeah. I know Kai mentioned even um, 
possibly sharing if you found mm-hmm. the mm. right one. But um, and I'd be fine with that as well. Um, it's just so always tricky with you, that job. You don't know who gets scholarships and who gets. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if I get the scholarship, I wouldn't say no to the free accommodation. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it would be silly <laughs> um, if you wouldn't. Um, and that's also why, you know, booking a, a cancellable hotel room is always a good idea in mm. case, you know, you know, you never know 12 months out whether you're going to be able to make it in mm. 12 months time. So See, okay. it will be so much easier next year when you can't, you don't have a chance for free accommodation anymore. It will be so much easier <laughs> to plan. I know I'm going to have to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yep. All right. Yeah. So last year of that extra complexifier, which apparently is a word now. Yeah. Complexifier. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, yeah, there's no guarantee. I will probably apply again. Um, hmm. Hmm. Got to have an idea, but you know, been lucky before. But who knows? Might not, might not be this year. So, got to prepare to to buy a ticket, and I guess, and I guess, stay in accommodation. Anyway, mm. yeah, <laughs> fun times. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be awesome. I'm I'm so confident that your uh, <laughs> that you will get uh, your your scholarship this year. That I for all after I was talking to you and you said that you will apply for a thing probably i was so confident that you would get it that i stopped looking for places with an extra bedroom (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the problem is i have to find time to work on the project or whatever it is like it's not yeah it's not a simple application process so you know that involves having an idea and then also uh not sleeping for but who knows what it is this year i mean yeah yeah there was this one year where where you could just point to an app you have an app store Mm. so if it's something like that well easy that was an amazing year. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they force you to use playgrounds again, I don't know. Then it might be a bit... Oh, it's so bad. I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. I think oh. that's going to be the case. I mean, I know it's the way they're going and they yeah. want to promote playgrounds. And, you know, it's, oh, how great. We had 350 people submit playgrounds. and Or more than that. But, you know, these 350 people submit a playground. Was and, it 350 people? Yeah. Um, that, Getting the scholarship yeah. last year, yeah. I guess many thousands would have applied. But yeah. It used to be fewer, didn't it? It used to just be like 100? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Like I think a both lot. times I've gone, it was three fifty. Oh, okay. I, yeah, it might have changed like just before um, I had an interest. So who knows? But it's a good program, and it is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think you should definitely apply, and you also get mm-hmm. to meet Tim Cook, right? <laughs> if you can, uh, if I didn't you, even try last year. Yeah. Like, it's just so many. People. It's like, oh well, like three hundred fifty people. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are young, <laughs> like younger kids, are way more excited about it. So it's like let them. But also realistically, what are you going to do with Tim Cook? Like, yeah, what exactly. are you, like, like, oh, take a photo and move on. Like, yeah. you're also in a room with you know 50 other Apple engineers who are free and more than willing to have a chat. So, <laughs> yeah, you're like Tim, Tim, I'm busy. I'm talking to those other engineers. <laughs> yeah, what, are, what are you even doing here? <laughs> exactly. You know, like Tim, Tim Cook can come back later. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't understand like people that are so so obsessed with meeting a celebrity for a minute. I'm like, I don't need a picture with, with, I don't know. Might just be me, but I was like, this just doesn't, if, if, if I had a chance to sit down and talk an hour about the Mac, maybe, um, mm. but just taking a picture, I was like, well, mm. this wasn't. Yeah. But also as a, as a younger person as well, it is exciting. Like, you know, there's a lot of like 14, 16 year olds there and stuff like that. So I guess it's, you know, yeah. they, they might yeah. not know a lot of Apple engineers going into WWDC and Tim Cook is, the person from Apple that they do know and, you know, it can be exciting to get to take a photo and say hello and things like that. So, I suppose. I don't know. I don't blame anyone who wants a photo, but also it's like let the let the people who are more excited about it mm. have the fun. Yeah. No, I agree. Like yeah. I feel the same when I see like that if I would see like a celebrity, I don't really want to go up and ask for a photo because like they 
probably get that all the time. And realistically, even if I would get along with this person really well, we're not going to get through that just from me going up to them randomly on the street, I think. So mm. I try to leave people alone. Mm. And it, I mean, it does happen a lot here because so many TV shows and movies are filmed yeah, in Vancouver. Yeah, it's so annoying. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> ah, just, I mean, They're always filming hey. everywhere. They're all those famous people around us. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish they'd leave my city alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways. Mm. Um, I found on a, on a more, um, I guess, like low-key note, I found at WWDC last year, I was less saying hello to people for the sake of it like you know like you see someone you recognize who might have worked on you know some coca pod that you use or you know someone you've seen around twitter or something someone you know like not not super famous but like someone well known in the community whereas like i might have had the urge to like go up and say hello but it's like do i actually have anything useful to say to this person no i'm not going to um i know yeah, yeah. like you, you you don't want to bother them if you don't like I'm the same. I'm like, ah. Uh, I mean, it's they. They don't. They they don't mind if you go up, say hi. But it's better no, they don't. to go up they and don't. have a conversation. I think they probably appreciate yep. that a bit more that you actually have something to yep. talk about. Yeah, I think that's an impor- important thing to go through. Do I have something I would like to talk about? If so, right. all right. Yeah. See if they have time to talk about that. If not, are you just there to hang out? They probably don't want to yeah, hang out yeah. with you because they have no idea who you are potentially. So that's weird. You can do that with a friend, but not with a random person. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, I was way more conscious it, like, this year of like... Yeah. I mean, un- unless Sorry, you, you go up and like socialize like you would do to any other human being. Mm, yeah, like yeah, yeah. if I stand in line outside of a, outside of the keynote, I might start talking to someone. And then if I would stand in line and that person is actually a famous person, I wouldn't just talk to them because they're famous. Or I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to them like, oh, so you're doing this famous thing. Can you please tell me everything about it? I would be more like, mm. oh, how do you like the conference so far? Like, th- like you yeah, talk yeah. to a human being. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I think they, they would appreciate that a bit more, actually. Yeah. But you know what? The, what like, the thing to never do is walk up to someone and go, I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> because that is meaningless to both parties. Like, they obviously know who you are. You have no clue who they are. That mm. gives you no information. You don't even know their first name at that point. Yeah. And it's like, I follow you on Twitter. Cool. Do people do this to you? Hello. Yeah, I had a, had a conversation with Pat about it um, recently. And he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that people are doing. I was like, yeah, and it happened a couple of times at WWDC. And it's like, that's great. Can I know your first name? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're like, good. I probably don't follow you because I. Don't yeah, that's, that's the awkward conversation because yeah. you can't turn around and say, "Oh, I follow you back," because you have no idea who yeah. they are. You might follow them back, but you might not. Like, you don't know. Mm. Anyway, that's 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 the terrible one that uh, it turns out people at WWDC are really good at. Um, <laughs> what they're good at yeah. being awkward? Who would have thought? I, but I've had that, um, you know, it's, it's also equally as exciting when you're like just having a conversation with someone, you don't know who they are, but like someone, you know, maybe you're with knows who they are. And then you find out later, like, oh, they did that thing or, oh, they're that person or, um, oh, I know them from such and such. And it's like, oh, that's cool. But it's like even cooler to have not realized that in the conversation because it's not skewing yeah. your, yeah. what you're saying when you're talking. It's like you're just having a regular chat as, you know, it's kind of, that's an interesting one. Although then you will start thinking, oh. Did I say anything bad that insults yeah, this like, person who made this very important thing? <laughs> did I did I diss their open source project? <laughs> and yeah, should we get into main topics? So, um, WWDC. It's fair to say that we've all been there. <sighs> no, really, really. <laughs> that was good. Come on, Sad it was terrible. 
It wasn't oh. terrible, is my rating. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even sure if I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, do you even want to talk about this guy? I don't know. I, what do I do? I summarize what it is and then send a link for people to sign up for a beta? Is that your plan? I don't know. Is that my plan? I don't know. Is that your plan? Anyway, I, I, <laughs> I made an app thing. Um, if, if, you, if you care about coffee at all um, and you want to find good coffee places or you want to share the good coffee places that you uh, found in your city, uh, made an app to make that easier. Woohoo! An mm. app to make things easier. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. good. Huzzah. And I'm I'm actually at a point now where I'm, where I'm using it myself, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. Because in the beginning, I was the only one adding coffee shops in the app. So I was like, yeah, I know all the ones that are in here. But now having a few more testers, uh, there are actually some coffee shops popping up that I haven't been to. I know. I found this coffee shop in the app that I want to try out because someone else added it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, we're actually plan our Sunday tomorrow around some of the new coffee shops that have good, really good ratings in Vancouver. So. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm yeah, quite excited. Wanna... Uh, yeah, so that's that's at least the stage it's in in the moment. I so have app, some other plans. If people for that. didn't understand Zach's re- Zach's uh, segue here, the app is called Bean There, as yep. in like a coffee bean that you've been to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and it lets you add like coffee shops and ratings and add pictures and those kind of things. Um, there's still a few things I need to do before actually uh, releasing it, but I will make the uh, the public test. Fi- I'll add the public test flight uh, link to the show notes this week and would appreciate any any kind of feedback, especially a negative one. I mean, it's, it's fine if you have positive things to say too, but especially negative things are, are valuable at this point to, to kind of criticize it because so far most people were uh, quite positive. And I mean, that's nice to hear, but doesn't really... Um, help as much with directing my focus on what to polish or what's most important to polish before releasing it. Yep. Yeah. And no, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have some other plans for for that, but uh, for now it's kind of focusing on on writing and discovering good coffee places uh uh around you. Yeah, I think this is a really really nice app. I think you got so far um you 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 gotten really far with the app um considering when you started, I think you've really been putting a lot of effort into this, and I think it's it's nice. It looks nice. Um, I think you also um, tried some different things, um, like in terms of like UI this time. I feel like you didn't go with like all the basic UI elements. I think it's it's a nice app, and um, I I think I think you you've done a really good job. So I think if you are interested in drinking coffee or you wanna. Um, I have a way to track where you go for coffee. I think this is a really, really cool app, and it's been very useful for me. And like, I go to many different coffee shops, and for me, it's good to know which ones I like, which ones I didn't like, and I can see all my ratings in the app. Um, and like I said, if you want to recommend this to people or a cafe to people, um, it's perfect. You can just um tell them tell them about the cafe, and then they can find it in the app. Hmm. Um, Speaking of, I should build a, a sharing sheet for yeah. coffee shops. I still haven't gotten around to that yet mm. but I, I do agree i think it's important to get critical feedback and get feedback about things that people don't really like so it's i think it's really good that apple has this uh, sort of way for you to actually open up a beta um for more people than you used to be uh, and then then you can just it's it's great to just get people to sign you up sign up through this link and it's very it's very nice to get other people's opinion because i think sometimes you might have family members and 
many family members can be really honest, but some family members might just want to support you, which is great too. But I think it's good to get some some people who are not as close to you to to get to give you some give you some feedback too. And even just like observations, I don't mm. know. It might be uh, I I try to find something and. I, I didn't know where to start or, or you know, anything that's, even if it's just an observation, I, I don't necessarily think you need to have a solution to everything you that you struggle with, right? Um, like if it's just saying, I tried to find a coffee place, uh, but didn't know how to get back to, to in the list or something like that. I think anything that is like an observation is has a lot of value. And even if you have a good idea, I, I always prefer, this is the observation I had, and this is a potential solution I thought of. Because if you're just sharing the solution, I might not know what the actual problem was you're trying to solve. So any kind of observation is, is very valuable. Yeah, yeah. And how would you prefer people to send feedback to you? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't think that would be the hardest question. I guess I, guess I have like a, a test flight, like an email address for contact. I guess that's probably the... The best way for now. Cool. But, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. That that should generally be the best way if you're on a test flight. Like, I I don't know when when people ask for feedback in other ways. It's like, oh, email this other email address, or you know, report it online at some website. It's like I'm on your test flight. Mm. It's, mm. I'm going to use the test flight app to report bugs, and if they go ignored, I mean, you know, like that, that's the whole point of test flight yeah. is yeah. to yeah. be able to communicate through test flight. Mm. So. I think that's that's generally the best way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would just say I've been using SAP for a few weeks and it's really cool. Uh, unfortunately, there's uh, not many other Sydney un- users as best I can tell. <laughs> so it would be great to have a few other people on the beta so I can find some coffee shops and not be the one always suggesting them. Like I'm ha- more than happy to suggest the ones I go to, but like I know whether they're good or not. So you're, you're yeah, the only good to get some other people's opinions. You're at the moment the only Sydney tester that is actually in sydney all the other people that <laughs> in theory could be in sydney are currently somewhere else overseas okay so well, at some point you might why. you might get some some more people there but at the moment it's kind of lonely zag in in sydney but you're doing a good job i sometimes look in <laughs> i'm sometimes checking in on you Thank checking you. which coffee shops you're even adding and you, yeah, you're like all over the place. my coffee habits yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i'll have a bunch more uh bunch more stuff to add hopefully in the next couple of weeks with um you know New job, new location, mm. out of the CBD. Mm. So that should be good to to try some new coffee stuff. Oh man, the average rating will go down. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a little bit worried. Like the nice thing about the CBD is there's so many coffee shops that even though most of them are crap, there's a few good ones within mm. walking distance, and it's yeah, yeah. I don't know how it will be. I might, might struggle a little bit to find some nice ones. Anyway, we'll see. So, you know, if you see a bunch of one-star reviews all clustered together, you know that that's where I'm working. Um, (laughs) No, I I have... I've only tried the coffee in the building where I'll be working, and it's, like, it's fine. Like, it would be good enough that I will happily drink one a day. Um, Really? But I haven't found any... Yeah, it was okay. Like, it's fine. Can I advocate for you bringing your own coffee equipment to work? But then you can't use the app, Uh, Kai. Yeah, yeah. I can't rate my own coffee. It doesn't have a fixed location. Damn! Don't give him. Don't give him a way out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm making AeroPress at work. Um, it's always yeah. an interesting conversation that people are very mm. curious about. They're like, "So how does this work?" Everyone's always very excited when, or not excited, but people people do care about. It and they're like looking at me, wondering why I'm a weirdo bringing my own coffee. And uh, then they then I tell them how good an AeroPress is, and everyone's 
everyone's still, everyone's interested in it. Mm. And I mean, there's yeah, so I watched many- someone at work this week make coffee with an AeroPress, mm. and I was one of those fascinated people watching on. So yeah, see, I, I understand the other side of the coin there. <laughs> it is pretty cool, but but isn't that a good uh, c- conversation mm. starter? That is true. Mm. Yeah, you can impart your coffee knowledge upon them. Yeah, and then. Bless them with knowledge, yeah. and that is the greatest gift another human can give to you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also, even if you don't like AeroPress, if you want something a bit uh, lighter, uh, like a V60, like a plastic V60 is like, I yeah. don't know, five bucks. Uh, and all you need is is a vessel, like a mug or something, and the V60 and a filter on top. So it's really easy to to keep at work, easy to 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 carry around if you need to there i i think there's so many really easy ways of making a good cup of coffee uh that is still go to cafes and rate them that's what the point of this conversation that's the plan yeah yeah yeah. try a new one every day for a couple weeks and then decide which is good or maybe find a great one on day one and never look back that is also valid (laughs) Mm. um so zach did you see uh, all the news stories about Apple cracking down on uh, analytics frameworks that record the screen? Sure did. How good is this? So it was something like, <laughs> what, a week a week and a half ago, maybe? How- that, uh, I think TechCrunch tech are on fire these days with all their, like, you know, catching people out in the act. Like, they got the Facebook story. They've got this story a week and a half ago. Um, TechCrunch did a report like all these like fairly popular apps that people are using like I think Hotels.com was one and like Air Canada was another <laughs> that's stuck in my mind because I might be flying Air Canada anyway yep. um, are using uh, analytics framework the analytics packages that um, at times will record the screen of the users using the apps and that you know doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're filtering for sensitive data either so sometimes it's capturing uh, users as they're entering credit card information or things like that so Apple or passport number and like other, mm-hmm. not even just payment, right? I think uh, yep. that's kind of one thing of protecting your customers' payment details that you would store anyway. But mm. kind of just recording all the personal information, passport number, potentially uh, flyer number, secret, like definitely names, uh, just means uh, employees can see a lot of information about people that uh, use their their products. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, and as in particular, employees that might not have uh, the same kind of restrictions around them, right? Because it comes through some third mm. party that just does random stuff with its screen recording, and then a whole bunch of developers yeah. and, and like, whoever that's the else. Thing. Is- it might just, it might even if you as a developer don't use this for for the wrong things, it's not very comfortable for a user to know that certain of things are being are being um, reported and potentially being shared with a third. Third party. Yeah, but it's interesting to me. I mean, on, 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 I mean, it is definitely interesting that uh, Apple, as a result of the story, then decided to. I think they only gave a twenty-four hour warning to the or to, I, I almost called it affected. I guess it's kind of self-inflicted, but to the developers and to the apps that had screen recording frameworks embedded in their uh, binaries to to rectify that and resubmit. Um, but also interesting that I mean, surely Apple was aware that that is a thing that could occur. Um, and sure, but it hit uh it hit the front page of TechCrunch, yeah. and everyone was aware now, so they've got to act. Yeah, but it's weird, right? It's it's weird that we need to. I mean, it's always just kind of, in general having to run to the press shouldn't be a a a way of forcing change. Yeah, I'm I'm always a little bit surprised that it feels like, um. 
as a user, you're not always aware. I mean, you're not going to be aware of what frameworks an app is using. And I think many apps don't disclose what frameworks they're using. I don't know if this is something they have to disclose usually in like terms and conditions, but uh, like there's nothing that you need permission for. Like if you, if you ask for like camera access or those type of things, you as a user will be aware of this. But things like where you're typing on, like when you, where you're touching on the screen or what you're typing in, that's something that very few users actually know about. And I think certain scenarios like facebook is obvious that they do get your information but other other things like in the app you don't know like people wouldn't necessarily know that this this information is being gathered and that it's potentially being shared with people like facebook depending on who you like which analytics you're using and yeah i think and i'm not saying that facebook always takes your analytics if you have their frameworks in your app but i'm saying that you as a but user they do. yeah but you as a user also don't know like you can't decide what you want if you want to use this app uh, if you're not aware of what frameworks they are using and it's something that hasn't really been touched on in a really long time like people don't know about this app hasn't enforced it and i'm very surprised about this it's a little bit strange that people Apple doesn't require you to somehow inform the user of what's going on underneath. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about that before already that, um, I mean, privacy, whenever, privacy things always get attention as soon as they're becoming visible. And that's a bit of a problem with privacy that a lot of things that are happening are, are invisible to the people affected by it. And I mean, to some extent for an analytics framework that is obviously by design, you shouldn't notice that you're being... Uh, 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 then you're sending random tracking events, not for malicious malicious reason exclusively, but I mean, you, your analytics should give you information about how the users behave in your app. Uh, so it's but, kind of by design that you shouldn't be able to see that. But this, but they're mostly doubling down on things like actual screen recording and actually um, like touch input recording, right? For now, it's not, yeah. Yeah, but for example, if I have an analytics, like if, if I know many apps that actually use analytics events um, and they manually have to trigger those events, I think that's something they wouldn't be policing at the moment, right? I mean, in general, right? It's That seems to be the point where Apple draws the line at this point in time is transmitting actual screenshots of what's happening on the device. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I thought. Sending the same information through your analytics API would, at the moment, be fine, I assume. Yeah. So if you would use something like Google Analytics, which tend to, where you, I think what you have to do is to like actually implement events that should be triggered. That's something, or actually, I think that's triggered automatically. That's nothing I mean, you that's have the to... thing, right? If you use the Fire, Firebase yeah. SDK, for example, it sends everything to exactly. Google. But that's nothing. I don't think that's what was policed here, right? Because there would be so many more apps that are actually being yeah. No, this, this. Is, this, this is exclusively is screen recording. Sc- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder if that means. Uh, I mean, those kind of things uh, get attention, and then more people pay attention to other things related to that. I wonder if if we'll see more things in that direction of of having more policies from from the App Store and from from Apple and other vendors to to uh restrict what kind of analytics are allowed because i do feel mm. like we're, we're in this kind of weird um analytics period where where people go crazy on adding analytics uh-huh. i mean in companies that i've worked with uh i often see that too it's like everyone wants to track everything mm. and it's not about like the more the more analytics the better right yeah but it's not about we have a we have a question and we're, we're trying to collect answers it's like no mm. let's track everything and then we see whether we can get answers or get questions out of the data we're getting so there's definitely this kind of analytics inflation that that i see in, in software development 
Um, yeah, and I think that's something that companies might feel like you can't retroactively get analytics about what uh, like which flows in your app are being successfully used or something like. If so, that this extent, I think many people rather want to set up as many analytics events as they can, like something li- like Firebase is doing. People rather want to track everything than missing out on this. And I think I'm not sure if that's going to be really allowed. I feel like tracking everything that's happening might be something that you at least have to inform the user a bit more about, even if it's not using the screen recorder. I mean, Apple already has switches, right? There are switches when you're um, when you're setting up your device, whether you want to share information with third-party developers. Um, that currently is a system switch, but it only applies to Apple's built-in analytics, not to any third parties. So I wouldn't be. But su- that's it's so frustrating that one there because it's very misleading. Apple's I, think. Is, I know. Yeah, 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 and I think that's part of the problem with the whole analytics thing is people don't realize what's happening and how much data of theirs is being collected. It's it's not obvious. And um, the thing with the Apple one is that Apple's the problem with Apple's analytics is one, they're not detailed enough. You can't customize anything. You can't do mm-hmm. custom events and things like that. And the thing, is, the fact is, businesses want that. Um, but the other thing is, I think the whole opt-in thing where you might only be getting data from 20 to 30, 40, if you're lucky, percent of your users might be opting in. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't give you a full picture. And people are opting out because they're scared of their privacy or whatever, but it doesn't protect against other frameworks and other analytics packages. So, it's so easy for developers to just say, oh, okay, we're not getting the data we want from Apple's. Mm-hmm. We're going to drop in this Google SDK, which is literally tracking every screen you're going yeah. to. And, mm-hmm. you know, they probably are... Um, you know, recording touches and things like that, even if they're not giving you that yeah, information. Yeah, they're not exposing back and not it to the developers, to but they are tracking yeah. it. But I, I so think that so it's of- way more invasive than if Apple just made theirs um, opt-in automatically or, or mandatory, but completely in a, in a privacy-conscious way, where it's completely anonymous and, you know, there's nothing identifiable whatsoever mm-hmm. and all of those kind of things. So, I don't know. I, I- but I think the important the important thing to me there is... Two things. First of all, Apple has very detailed information about how many people are comfortable being tracked, right? I mean, as a third-party developer, you can see your opt-in rates. And um, for most people that I spoke to, they're kind of around, the, I think, 30 40% mark. Uh, I haven't checked in a long time, but I think last time I checked, it was around that. That means that clearly uh, somewhere around 70% of people do not want to mm. have the information being tracked for analytic purposes. I don't understand why that switch doesn't force, thir- or why Apple wouldn't have that as a policy that that yeah. switch also needs to be obeyed Either by third-party frameworks yeah, at the yeah. very least, right? Or at least it would make Apple realize, wait, people, 70% of people don't want to be tracked. Maybe we should police this a bit more yeah. rather than waiting for something but like this. But I think like a good first step is that that global switch uh, also applies mm. to third-party because as a n- less technical person, you might see, do I want to share third-party uh, do I want to share analytics data with third-party developers to make apps better? And you're like, you can either say yes or no. I mean, I agree that uh, it's a problem when when you have like a ninety uh, percent people uh, n- yeah. not opting in. But, but that's a different problem. But if if you see people saying I don't want to do that, you wouldn't then expect that to be overwritten by a whole bunch of ra- apps at s- seemingly random, depending on what type of analytics they're using, right? If you see, I don't want to share information with third-party developers for analytics, you would expect that to apply to everything and not just to the, s- the few that use Apple's built-in analytics features. Mm. So yeah, I feel like and I think, I think in the end, those users maybe would have been better off if they just accepted the Apple analytics and... yeah. 
people didn't have to implement third-party analytics frameworks uh, because I think if you have an iPhone, certain things will... I think people trust Apple as a company if they buy an iPhone already, potentially. So, uh, like, I think they might have... In the end, it would be more... If if people would know that they're being tracked by so many other third-party analytics frameworks, I think more people would happily have opted in for the Apple one to get out of the other ones. Mm. But Obviously, that's not that's not a choice and that's not an option. But I think people don't really know what's being tracked. People don't really know what's being anonymized. And people just think, hey, I don't like I heard I heard tracking is bad. I heard that they will put like um, custom marketing towards me and then people don't want that. So if that's how like if that's the only thing they know about analytics, no one will opt in. But like it can analytics can be so helpful and it can really make a better app experience. And like you can actually get your problem solved with an app and you you can get a better experience if it's being used right but i think if people don't know the benefits of analytics if they just think it's for like tracking the user people are not going to opt in for it so i think in general this needs to be more taught to the general population i mean in so general people, i'm not a big fan of analytics so i'm probably not the best person to argue for analytics i'm not arguing for analytics but i'm saying there are certain benefits that you get from analytics like <laughs> Like even user-facing analytics, like HealthKit and all of those things. This, these very are, different, though. They right? are very different. I know, I know. But like when it comes to like Apple developer analytics, you can, like, if your app is crashing and you share it with developers, they will For, fix it. I, I think we have to again separate crash logs from mm-hmm. uh, analytics. Yeah, we spoke about but that. I, I think in 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 the years that I worked as a, a software engineer in different companies, I can't recall a single time. Analytics help with a product decision. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I mean, you know where to focus as a as a team, right? But I feel like we knew that. But so, so event based analytics, maybe not. But I think it, there's something nice about knowing how many times your app was used on a given day. You know, sure. if you've had fifty thousand downloads, how many of your users are opening your app on a given day? And like, that that doesn't have to be. Uh, in any way identifiable information, right? It's just nice to mm. know in aggregate. And something like Apple's analytics falls short because it's giving you the amount of the, the usage from twenty five percent of your users. Mm. It's not yeah. enough. There are two things here. You can I think Apple should make people more aware of that there's still third party analytics frameworks available uh, that other apps are using. And the other thing is that in general, like teach people more, like let people know what uh, analytics actually means and whether or not they should opt in or out for that. And some people might do, some people might not. But I think at the moment, people might just tap no because they're sick of all those pop-ups coming up while they're setting up their phone. Mm. But if, to me, a low-hanging fruit is the combination of um, making that switch global and then enforcing that at that uh, app review that if you opted out of uh, analytics, that needs to apply to third-party analytics tools as well. And, uh, I mean, again, you can either actually enforce that or make it a, a rule that you can then enforce. You know, if you know I could potentially be rejected at any point in time because I don't obey the switch, um, that will already discourage a lot of companies or, or independent developers or whoever to, to use it. So check whether the switch is on and then only then have your analytics trigger. Um if you then combine that with Apple's analytics potentially getting a bit more detail and being a bit more more useful, I do think that would be a good combination of a relatively low hanging fruit, relatively low amount of of uh, effort to to push that in the right direction. Because I do think people don't. If, if you have people that explicitly state that they don't want to be tracked for analytic purposes, I feel it's it's kind of weird to to then still do that and of course other apps might have other 
terms and conditions and other they might even mention that they i mean most of them probably won't mention anywhere that they're using analytics but some some of them might but why would you assume that right if you go to a store and they're saying everything is 50 percent off and you're like you go in there and you buy something you wouldn't then expect that now there's a different modifier in each product in the store again where it's saying oh yeah this one is actually not 50 percent off if that's because this problem, one has different up- terms and conditions yeah. because we excluded corn items like, yeah. well i didn't know that you told me uh, i have an option yeah here. and then i think once those people would have picked the clothes they want to buy or the products they want to buy and they walk up to the counter and they say that's not going to be 50 percent off people are probably going to be quite upset yeah. and but they're they're, like, that's visible right yeah. the problem with analytics is it's invisible so so you wouldn't even notice in the store you would be like yeah you would tell people right the store is uh, uh they're, <laughs> they're just trying to trick you to into coming in but if you don't actually buy anything they're telling you oh yeah this product no, is they're excluded. not telling you they're not telling you it's excluded they just charge you extra on your account without yeah, you yeah, knowing but my about point it. is like, you would then tell people hey this is yeah, a scam yeah, shop yeah. um because it's visible right you're checking out you're paying more than you thought for analytics, you don't know. You think you opted out. You think no one is tracking you. That's your assumption, but they do it anyway. And you wouldn't know. You wouldn't even know to that you are expected to look into each app's analytics guidelines or or terms of service privacy statement again. Because why would you assume that if you say you don't want to be tracked, that anyone can just override that? Often without an option to opting out, right? It's not even. I think that's why I like the idea of. That's why I like my idea um, of, <laughs> of having the global switch being uh, enforced because otherwise you you there is your only option is to not use the app. That is is difficult. You can't say, you know what, I'm not using my banking app anymore. I, I stopped banking because they're using a, a, a framework because they wouldn't build an option. I mean, we spoke about this in our German episode, how many people in Germany still pay with cash because they don't want (laughs) their banks to track what they're doing. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is often you don't have an option. It's not that you can opt out of analytics for an app. Uh, The only option is not using the app. And sometimes that is feasible where you're saying, hey, I don't want to use Facebook because I don't agree with them, whatever. Um, but for a banking app, you're, you're kind of, I mean, realist, you could say I switched to a bank that doesn't use analytics. But first of all, I don't know if there are any. Second of all, it is a lot of effort to, to just because you don't want to be, be used, you, your, your tabs on the screen shouldn't be used for analytics. So I feel like having an option that, um, where you can opt out if you really wish to and apps having to obey that seems to me like an obvious step in the direction Apple is already going in. Plus, then having analytics being a bit more useful that Apple provides out of the box might even eradicate a lot of the use cases that people have for third-party analytics tools. And therefore, there is more of a, a way of, of... I mean, Apple is pretty good with anonymizing data with analytics. I mean, apart from the analytics at the moment being exce- excessively uh, uh, limited, but there's no way at all at the moment to identify anyone. So I do think that might be a good combination of kind of pushing in that direction of of surfacing those kind of invisible privacy implications a bit more. But I think I would I would be very surprised if we don't see more from Apple in the space of analytics and whether that's more on their own analytics platform or just clamping down on existing um, analytics platforms and mm-hmm. making them respect settings such as that. Like, like realistically, if there was, uh, like, I know you're talking about uh, that toggle uh, being respected by third-party apps, 
the work wouldn't have to be done for the most part by third-party developers. It, it would, would be, be analytics, these big yeah. analytics companies like Google and Facebook and Mixpanel and all the other ones that are providing analytics frameworks. They would be the ones that would have to change to comply. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that would that would be a positive step forward. But I'd probably also like to see Apple's get better. But that would be that would be terrible. It's a, that would be really bad as a third-party developer, though, right? Because if you use a third-party analytics, if you as a developer use a third-party analytics framework and they are not actually going to obey to the switch, then you're screwed, right? You're Apple, right? But I imagine that they would they wouldn't have any customers if yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Um, you would hope anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, it's this thing again where Apple's saying we pull everyone that uses Firebase because they don't obey, right. and then everyone, yeah. Firebase yeah. is the one that needs to fix, get that sorted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. But it's, and that puts Google in the spotlight a little bit yeah. as well, mm. which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and and I think look, but, but in general, it, right? There are not other system toggles that apps will just ignore, right? You don't have a lot of apps where you put your phone, or you don't have any apps. If you put your phone into airplane mode, it's not like <laughs> an app can say, you know what? Screw airplane mode. I still hit the network. Yeah, yeah. You know, if right. if you mute switch, I mean, there are some exceptions, but <laughs> overall, mute switch means mute. Uh, turning the data toggle off for an app means no more data. It's if you say notifications are off, no more notifications. But analytics. That switch behaves differently from all the other system switches, and I feel like it's it's weird to assume people understand that there is a difference. Yeah, because I think why should, would there? It should almost be like a switch in settings, um, like like you have with all the other things that you just mentioned, Kai. You should be able to go to settings for a specific app and then turn off or on analytics if you don't want to have it mm. anymore, just like a toggle. But see, I think there's a place for something like Apple's analytics, which are very basic and just show you know ba- pretty much how many users you have and how many sessions they have. I would like. I'm probably in the camp that they should be. Um, I don't even. Think, I don't even know if they should be opt out. Maybe they should be opt out, but definitely opt in by default. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe you know, if you had suddenly eighty or ninety percent of your users opting in, you have enough information, and business have enough information from those analytics. They aren't tempted to throw in a third party. Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah. also a valid solution. But I don't. But you don't know. Will people opt in? Like, that's the thing. Then I think Apple has to educate users a bit more. But that's the thing. I, I almost think it should be opt in by default. If yeah. you're not tracking, if you're not tracking anything that could be identifiable, you're not tracking events, you're not, and none of that, but just like know. simply, plain and simply sessions. It's in aggregate. You don't even see a country by country yeah. breakdown. Um, but do yeah. you really get a lot more information if you already have, I mean, assuming you have more than 10 users, right? If you, if you have thousands of users, do you really get more information from, from, like those additional percent of people that you couldn't just approximate from the 30% you already have. Well, so, so you could approximate if you had, um, if you had an app with, say, a backend service or something, and you could see how many users were hitting your, your service and, you know, were using the app. But, but I if mean, you make an app that is completely offline, it is nice to know that, like, oh, my app's had 100,000 downloads, but. But you can still do that, right? If you, you already get that from Apple's analytics. So you get, I don't know, you get, um, uh, ten people uh, opened you up today, and ten percent opted in. But you know it. But you can't do a clean like if you've got twenty five percent opting in, you can't do a clean multiply by four because it's a self selecting group who've opted in. It's it's definitely biased data. Even if you disable, even if you disable um, analytics tracking for third party apps, don't you still see the launches as a developer? No, isn't that a separate? I don't think so. No? I don't think you got sessions. Okay. No. Well, sorry. Yeah, I thought sessions were opted in. Okay. Could be wrong, but. But yeah, um, I'd I'd be happy with either option. Um, I think getting getting session like getting the very basic thing anyway, just so you see how many people actually use this thing. Um, 
I would be okay with that, but I also wouldn't mind if Apple just says, hey, based on our approximation, uh, you probably have this many because Apple Apple would know. So they can have a way better pr- approximation than just multiplying um, your 25% with four, right? So if Apple still says, hey, we, we approximate it's a thousand users, even though you only had hundred for you to twenty five percent or whatever. Yeah. No, that that information is valuable though, because if you make a paid up front app, no no back end service, nothing that's ever hitting the network, and you've got a hundred thousand downloads, that's great. But are fifty people using the app on a daily basis? Like, you know, it's kind of good to know. You're probably doing something wrong if only fifty people are still using it. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I think there is value in analytics and I definitely am not I'm not anti analytics, but I'm anti uh, creepy analytics yeah, and anti-analytics that are tracking everything for the sake of tracking things just in case we might need this information in the future. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that and would push back on things like sending identifiable information back through analytics. Um, yeah, in yeah. general, the approach should be let's let's assume we do no analytics and now collect the mm-hmm. things that we actually want to know about rather than what yeah, I see yeah. a lot happening yeah. in, in, in the real world, which is the opposite. Let's collect everything and then let's mm. try to figure out how to make sense of all the data we now have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in theory, you might actually in practice, you might only use one percent of the analytics that, events that you're tracking. Yeah. Um, I had an interesting discussion with um a few people um a few weeks ago about like it was it was more focused on the Facebook app itself and you know um how it's doing a bunch of stuff that users might not realize it's doing, such as constantly scanning contact books and you know, probably analyzing location data from if you've given up uh, access to your photo library and all these kind of things, as well as the standard analytics that they're tracking just by you using the service and as well as the analytics that they're tracking by you by third-party developers embedding their Facebook SDK, which you now need to put in your app if you want a Facebook share button and all that. Like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, and one of the, the theories that was floated, or one of the ideas that was floated around, and like, it's, it's really difficult to know how to solve this problem because I think the thing is users don't know what's happening. Users know that Facebook's tracking them and they're okay with that. Like people will, will tell you that. They acknowledge, yeah, I know Facebook's tracking, but I don't think people fully understand the extent. And one of the ideas sort of put forth was, well, maybe something Apple could do is like kind of like the location bar that you have. You know, like if an app's using your location in the background, you see the mm-hmm. blue bar on your home screen and it's like XYZ is using your location in the background. But so that, you know, it, it gives you an indication that an app is using your data in the background. You might not, you know, then then you can make an informed choice. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this. This is a, a running app. It's perfectly fine. Or, well, this is my... Uh, I don't know, Twitter app, but maybe it doesn't need to be following my location constantly, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm. But maybe a solution could be something like, I mean, it's it's probably not saying I absolutely agree with this, but something like that for, oh, uh, Facebook has just scanned your contacts or app mm-hmm. XYZ has sent all of your photo metadata to or accessed all of your photo metadata in the background, for example. And then you can make an informed choice. Wow, there will be so many, so many pop-ups in the beginning. Yeah, I think we Yeah, I, I, like... It's not. It, we need to have the global switch before, because yeah, otherwise, yeah. it's like yeah. just a billion, you know, a billion events going through every second. Yeah, not not saying that it's the the most perfect solution, but you know, something that puts it in front of users that this is exactly what they're doing, and not just this abstract concept of well, Facebook are tracking everything I do, because people don't understand that when you say that, they don't understand the extent, and that's fine. It's really. It's almost unbelievable some of the time. Yeah, people think it's like, oh, um, I can imagine that many people think, oh, yeah, they track who whose photos I like, they track whose photos I put right, comment on, yeah. and those type of things. Mm. But I don't think like, they of necessarily they understand that. that, that. Yeah. 
Um, if you look at an, if you look at a certain product, it will be advertised for you on Facebook. People don't really understand that yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Apple's yeah. Apple's own uh, analytics, you can also add things like that people are that are actually interested and curious what what's being tracked, that they can see the events they generated. You know, yeah, if yeah. if Apple Is that builds it themselves, no. no, not no. at the moment, but yeah, if like Apple, a log sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. you can see, hey, those are the events that I generated that I sent yeah. to the developer or mm. something like that, like a little like toast pop up thingy, you know, like oh, uh, account login successful or something. And then if you had an app that was showing one constantly, you might get a little bit sus and go, hey, wh- why is this develop? Why does this developer need to know every time I touch the screen? It's cool if this could be part of like screen time or something. Like this, how many times yeah. you open this? This, how many times? How much uh, tracking and all all of those things? Mm. That could be cool. Yeah, but I I'm I'm sure we'll I, I'm I feel like we might see something just based on the events and the tracking stories and Apple then rejecting that. I wouldn't be surprised if if Apple also sees now more of a need. Or I'm sure they they, also, they were aware of that before, but yeah, it would but be, hopefully it would they take this opportunity a, to start policing this more. And I think it would align with that, right? Yeah, it and would, it's something that no company has taken responsibility for for a real long time. And I think if this is the perfect opportunity to enter it, many people are upset about things being tracked, or people are actually upset about this Facebook thing. Um, and um, what happens on your phone stays on your phone. Yeah, like that that type of yeah, app. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, like there are many there. Apple seemed to have campaigns going against, um, like, sort of promoting privacy for their users. And I think it's great to see that they're doing that. And they can continue riding on this, I think. And hopefully they can make people more aware of what's happening and also provide more of a standard, like add some ethics to this industry and to the to the whole, to that whole area. I think, and it's hard, I think right? It it's, it's, it's hard if you have things that think, are invisible. I think the problem is... Also, to make it visible because people don't know. I, yeah, I think in problem. general, people should be able to make their own decisions. Um, yeah. But it's hard to force people to make a decision where there is no option, Enough, first but, of all, but, uh, and yeah. and where they where it's impossible to understand without an in-depth knowledge of of analytics frameworks to understand what's actually happening. The problem is that I think many people, even if they're aware of this, they might might still. If they, if they, I think uh, this was something to talk about at ATP. So, um, Eero was acquired by Amazon, which is a router, uh, uh, like a Wi-Fi mesh network uh, setup. I'm not going to go into too much detail about that, but it basically, uh, the discussion was whether or not you would, as a user, buy something that you know tracks uh, tracks what you're doing on the internet. And his suggestion was that uh, some people might actually. Um, rather get something for free. So, like, if I could get a Wi-Fi router that would um, that would send all, all my information to Amazon, uh, if I could get that for free versus paying two hundred fifty dollars for a Wi-Fi router, I think many people would actually opt in for the for the tracking. And I think I'm not sure if this is going to be beneficial. I'm not sure if this is actually going to stop people. I'm not sure if users will care, to be honest. But I think at least having someone who sort of polices this or at least informs users about this, like Apple, I think that could be a good first step. And then see if people care. And hopefully they do. And hopefully people can be more aware of this. And I think it's important to do this now because it's just going to get more and more things being tracked. But it's different, right? So for that, if you would actually get a benefit of being tracked, you can say, I want to make the exchange. You can see what I'm doing and I therefore mean, I get this hardware Developers for would free. say that there's a benefit of you having Google Analytics because it makes the apps better, right? 
Yeah, sure you can. Or Facebook would but say, but no one is making I mean, the decision. People are happy that they. Very few people. I don't think many people would fa- pay for Facebook nowadays if that would be the option. No, no. But my point is, there is a decision, right? If you say, "Hey, I want the Euro with with tracking, and therefore I get fifty dollars off," you can yep. say, "I want fifty dollars off, and I'm happy with the tracking." At the moment, you don't have an. There is no, you know, there is no option. I mean, the option is to not use it. But there's also no exchange for something. You don't have an option to decide. I want this, this, this exchange of my information for a discount, or so I, I do I mean, think you that do, is right. You get, you get to use Facebook for free. But Facebook is one of them, right? There, there are like so many apps that use yeah. analytics that are not. Even paid apps, right? It's not even that it's only free oh, like apps. Google as a web browser, I think there uh, there were other products com- that were similar to Google before that you had to pay for, but Google just won because it was free, uh, and people knew that they were collecting their data, right? So what there have there have been options like this, like you could use, for example, you could use Gmail or you could use an app that you pay for it, or a web server that you pay for it, to set up your uh, to set up your emails. Mm-hmm. But people still go with this free option. So there are often situations when there is a paid option. But I think that is, I, I think we're kind of combining multiple things. I mean, a free service is one thing, but analytics is not necessarily tied to you necessarily having access to a thing that you would otherwise have to pay for. There are also paid apps where you get analytics, or some companies don't actually sell the analytics, but they just still collect everything. So that's mm-hmm. not. You know, there are so many more options for analytics. It might just be that they track every event you make in the app and they're using it to to make whatever business decisions. But it's not that they're selling the data, but it still might be something that you don't want because the app doesn't need any online services or whatever. Mm. So I feel like that is kind of combining two things that are not necessarily fully aligning. Yeah, yeah. So, So what's your... What did you say before I... Started combining those two. No, I I just think might be an interesting year where where things happen in that direction to surface more what's happening and then mm. letting people decide whether they want to be part of it or not. And I do think it's mm. fair. Like I I actually have that all the switches turned on. I do want to send crash logs to developers yeah, and I do yeah. want to share the the little bit of analytics that Apple collects because I do think that that is something I'm I'm a hundred percent happy with. But I think it's more about making it a choice. And making it visible, like mm. let you let you opt in or opt out, and make it visible what it is that's actually being tracked about you. Because only that way you can make an informed decision for the people that do. Some people will just opt in, some people will just opt out out of principle, and I think that's fair. But people that want to make an informed decision, let at least make it possible to make it a informed decision. Decision. I think at the moment it's just not possible. You know how you yeah. you as a very technical person. You wouldn't know what frameworks all the apps that you are using no, know, are using for their analytics. There's no no chance. Yeah, and there's no way for me to check which app can I use that's not doing this. I mean, unless you use Charles, but I, I think w- then we're going down so far into into a territory of things that yeah. Uh, I mean, that's unreasonable to expect people to do. Yeah, so I'm 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 interested to see what's happening this year or next year. Should be, I I I'm more and more as. As events unfold and those kind of things happen, um, I'm more confident that there will be something that Apple is doing in that direction. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's that's all we all the time we have for this week. You always when you say it that way, you sound like you're like a 
like a TV show report, like a TV show presenter. Do you have that on TV now? Like when I was a kid, you used to have a presenter that presents all shows. No, I don't think that's a thing. Really? That's a thing in Sweden. Yeah, it's yeah. very strange. It's it's like it's this physical person. I don't know if it happens anymore. It's this physical person that sits there like throughout the whole night, mm. just saying what show mm. is starting. And I think it's really nice. Like this is something so like a radio host introducing songs. Yeah, no way. Yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. But you right, can, you can see the person. Exciting episode of uh, I don't know Survivor. Yeah, and now next for for the next hour we have the next episode of yeah. the Good Place. And then if it's like a com- a longer commercial break there, or like if it's a break for the news or something, they're, they're like, oh, okay, just so you guys know, now we're taking a break for the news, but the show will continue in thirty minutes. That actually kind of sounds awesome. <laughs> it is really nice, <laughs> but I don't watch TV that much, so I don't know if this is a thing in the world in general anymore. Um, Definitely not a thing yeah, on Australian <laughs> television anymore. It might have it might have been a thing, hmm. you know. Um, Didn't but, the BBC you know. do that? I feel like the BBC always, at least they have they a voice. Do, they have a voice, yeah, but they don't have a person. Mm. And in Sweden, you used to have this guy who always had the Christmas shift. Like, he was always there on Christmas. And then he... <laughs> yeah, and then, then he stopped because, I mean, he was sitting there for 20 years every Christmas Eve. Um, and then he uh, he stopped and resigned and people were slightly upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> he ruined Christmas. <laughs> it's a big deal in Sweden. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that's what you sound like when you're wrapping up in that way. Cool. Yeah. That, that's, see? Nos- that's, that's a nostalgia. good thing. Yeah. That's what I was aiming for. Mm. Swedish TV presentation nostalgia for our one listener, Malin, that has that. Thank you. I mm. appreciate it. Cool. Anyway, uh, it's time for food again. Yeah. That was great talking to you, Zach. Fun times. Yeah. Likewise. All right. Uh, talk to you next week. Bye. See you then. On our first episode of Cup of Tech. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if I finish the icon.